This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How is everybody doing on a Wednesday? We're doing great here on A's Cast Live. Can't wait to get into a ton of baseball news and great guests for you today as we'll be on from 4 to 7 o'clock. The big left-hander, A.J. Puck, he's healthy, feeling good. He's going to join us at 4.15. We're going to have Ray Fossey at 4.30. Chris Rose will be here at 5 o'clock. We're going to have Craig Mish from South Florida, and today we're staying in the National League East, and we'll be covering the, I like to call them, COVID Marlins, as they got to the playoffs last year, 31-29. and Can they do it again? Bill Moriarty, from, uh, who covers A's minor leagues, he'll be here at 6. And really, really special today, Amelia Schimmel, who is going to replace Dick Callahan as our new public address announcer, as she did it this past season for the 60 games and the playoffs. And unfortunately, with Dick passing away, um, there needed to be a replacement and Amelia will be the new replacement. So she will be the new voice of the stadium. So we're going to have her on at six 30. Cannot wait. She's one of the greatest people. And, um, I'm really happy for, her. I mean, it's obviously, it's very sad. We lost Dick, but her stepping in now as the new voice of the stadium, um, We'll look at everything with a glass half full, and uh, she's going to do wonderful. Cody, how are you on a Wednesday? I'm doing just fine. Uh, another A big A's win today. Ken Korak returned to the radio booth with Ray Fossey, so that was exciting to hear the voice of summer. I get, Well, I guess the voice of spring. We're not in summer just yet. But uh, I went and saw the new apartment today, finally. We can finally move into the uh, the new house, so. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon we'll we'll get in there and be out by eight, uh, beginning of baseball season. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's gonna be uh, you're gonna have a little more room to breathe, Cody. You'll have a little more room. We'll be good. Uh, Chris Bassett talked today and said something that you know. Of course, we can ask AJ Puck this coming up at four fifteen. But there's a strategy for holding a starters back this spring, and Chris Bassett thinks this strategy could change baseball forever. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think this spring training is going to kind of change spring trainings forever just because us kind of working out in the backfield, limited time at the complexes, I think have has kind of benefited everyone of just staying healthy. I mean, standing around for four or five hours like we did in, in years past, wasn't the easiest for your back and legs, I'll tell you that. So uh, a lot of people were stiff coming in the next day is kind of thing, just because you're just standing around for so long. But, I mean, now it's just the days are super efficient. Um, and obviously, Bowmel and Rhino kind of had that and make sure it's going so good. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think this is dang near perfect. That is interesting. 
So basically what, what you've had in spring training for all these years is a bunch of busy work. You know, spring training was originally set up for guys to come in and get in shape. Because, you know, a lot of these players had jobs in the offseason. But, you know, modern-day baseball, these guys make so much money, they don't have jobs in the offseason. And they take care of themselves, and they work out, and they come to spring ready to go, and then, but you got them standing around all day. They're, they're at the comp. They're, they're just, they're, they're there all day long. And shorter, I, it, it makes sense. You've heard different coaches in different sports talk about how you rather have quality practice in a more, much shorter time than have a super long, inefficient practice. You know, people, people have always thought, that the more you work at it, the longer you're out there, the longer you're grinding. Now, some coaches have figured out, let's get in, let's be efficient, Let's learn, let's get better, and let's get out of here. You don't have to be here for seven hours. You don't got to be here for six hours. And you're you're figuring out a way, Cody, to have spring training without a bazillion minor leaguers around. Yeah, and it's benefiting, too, like what we're seeing so far with the A's in spring training where, you know – Game two for the Yankees, Garrett Cole was starting for them in game two of spring training where we've seen the younger pitchers like Cole Irvin and Parker Dunchy and um, Dalton Jeffries and Caprillion. These guys pitch earlier in spring training, so you're kind of saving the arms of the, your veteran guys like Chris Bassett, you know, Sean Manaya, who's going to pitch soon in spring training. I think I have the schedule right here. Manaya's supposed to pitch uh, on Saturday, Hazel Cesardo tomorrow, and Jeffries will get another start on Friday, and Frankie Montas is working back from COVID has been throwing in simulated games, so it's good to get these guys back into a rhythm and watching these guys pitch against their own teammates where they can get constant feedback is something that's beneficial for them. Where, like Bassett mentioned in another audio piece, that it's it's better to face your own guys because you can get like, hey, where is this, pit, is this pitch working? Where did I miss this and that? Where if like today when he gave up the home run to Travis Shaw, he can't just go, hey, Travis, where did I, where did I miss on that location? Help me out a little bit. So it, it's a mind game kind of thing too because that, that way, like Bassett said, he he mentions that you know teams won't have won't get to see the starting pitchers that they're going to be facing. So if you're playing the Angels in spring training and Chris Bassett's starting, that and he and, or he's not starting and you're playing the Angels, they have no tape on him going into the regular season, which is kind of smart. I mean, I, I know those are mind games kind of things, but uh, I like the strategy of what they're doing with the pitching so far. Well, let's hear from Chris Bassett talking about throwing to his teammates on the backfields. Well, I mean. I'm facing Chappie and Ole and Pinder and Jed and guys like that. And in these spring training games, um, I'm not able to go and just say, hey, Travis Shaw, what did you just see right there? I mean, I, I'll, I'll throw a fastball and be like, hey, all right, that one, and I threw a slider off, off, the, off that fastball. Chad, what did you see there? Would that would look good? Did that not look good? And then not only that, I, th- I think it's great because, I mean – the days off that these guys get, Olsen and, and Pinder and these guys, um, that's obviously like Chappie, they're not really getting days off. Like we're facing them in the backfields. So they're still getting live ABs versus basically our guys. But we're able to communicate back and forth, I think, a lot better of what we're seeing, what they're seeing. And I think it's, I mean, it's 
very beneficial from both sides, I would say. Uh, you know, you think about spring training games. And you, you just wonder if, if what Chris is saying is correct. Spring trainings become big business, so they're going to have the games. But do they really need to have the games? Do you really need to have nine innings spring training games day after day after day? Now, I don't think it will ever change because of the, the business for Arizona and Florida is so big for spring training. So they got to have these games. And you think about how they lost spring training games last year. Remember, we had to shut it down. I mean, without minor league players, I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't know the f- future of how baseball does. I mean, obviously they can do whatever the heck they want. But if you're getting better, if you're getting better prepared by playing not in front of the fans, not, not, not at, you know, if you're on the backfields. If you're getting better prepared for the season, I, Cody, I have no idea what that what, what that will really mean long term for spring training games. And if you're going to be holding out you, your top guys, both pitchers and position players, I mean, who's going to want to just pay to watch a bunch of guys? You have no idea who the heck they are. Well, we're seeing it now. What the NFL is cutting their the uh, preseason down to two games now. And you know it's it's a change that you know people are ta- people talk so many so much about how spring training is too long, and I tend to agree with them. I mean, I like what the the way that the A's are doing, where having your guys start later in spring, where they're working in the backfields, it makes sense because then they're not getting you know too much workload put on them after not pitching as much last season. I, I it totally makes sense. And the A's haven't played a nine inning game yet in spring training, so and we might not see it. They have up until the thirteenth, so. Saturday could be the last day they play a bunch of seven-inning games and then switches back to nine. Would you rather see a, a, a seven-inning game where you get a lot of your guys in or watch a nine-inning game? Like, for example, I'll bring it up. The Pirates beat the Braves yesterday. I think it was 10 nothing or 10, I think it was 10 nothing. The Pirates had a no-hitter going until one out left in the ninth inning in spring training. How many people care about that? Now, I guess the Pirates might because, well, they, they stink, but I'd rather see the ace guys go three at-bats and they get taken out than watch – uh, a full game where guys aren't even playing probably because a lot of the guys probably weren't even there. So I, I like the way they're doing it. But cutting back on spring training games, it could be something they do in the future. It, it, I guess it all depends on how the NFL – how it works for the NFL. But the NFL's been talking about that for years, and they finally did it where they're cutting down from four to two. We haven't seen minor leaguers in 18 months. Think about that. These minor league guys have been sitting on ice for 18 months, and they're not back playing till May. That's a long, long time. That's a lot of development lost. I feel so. I I, I feel so bad for the minor league players, and I still don't know how they're going to make it work. I mean, when 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 you're in double A and A, high A, low A, when you're down at the, they're they're sticking you in buses. <laughs> These guys are gonna be riding around in buses. 
I, I, I hope they're smart and they can figure it out. And we'll talk to Bill about that a little bit later. But that's what kind of, you know, minor league baseball it scares me. But these kids got to get back on the, they got to play. You essentially have no minor league system. 18 months, Cody, 18 months these guys haven't played. That's a long time. Do you think NFL players are going to sit around, you know, NFL guys are sitting around for 18 months and not playing? Well, they don't have a developmental league, so it's a little different. But still, like, it's so unfortunate because a lot of these guys, especially the guys in the lower levels of the minor leagues, like like you mentioned a, bu- a, a lot, they probably go get real jobs. Like, they, they, they kind of supplement their, their income. Like, so who knows how much they're really working out? And we'll get to, we'll get to the bottom of this more because on Friday we're going to talk to David Force from Arizona. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about it. But 18 months is a long time. Where we were talking last year where we were doing a show for how many months in a row without having any baseball at all. These guys have gone almost two years without a, a playing a minor league game. It's It's got to be really troubling. But I, hopefully next month in beginning of May when the triple, double, and single A season is supposed to start, we'll see the guys out there and they're you know back to going and growing again because with just the alternate site that, you know, we're hearing rumors about, it's great, but they're not facing real competition. So that idea of the A's facing the Giants, if it's Stockton and Sacramento, that's great because it's live competition. But if not, then you're kind of having these guys just sit around and do nothing like they've been for the past 18 months. You know, like compare it to golf. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask David this on Friday. It'd be like not, actually getting on a golf course for 18 months but you're still going to the range because you know whenever we bring this up you know sir people say well you know some of these guys are working out together they've played in some simulated games or they got and it's like it's not a regular this is not the regular competition this is like not playing golf for 18 months and all you do is go to the driving range can you imagine the first time you'd actually have to tee it up on a course and you hadn't played in 18 months I don't care how much you practice. You're going to be bad. I don't care how many. I don't care how many bullpens you've thrown. I don't care how much batting practice you've taken. It's just you haven't played the game. How how are you? How have you gotten better by not actually playing in a game? I mean, there's players that you know have Tommy John or you know shoulder problems, knee problems, and they got to sit out and rehab and do all of that, but. These are guys that are just, it's been taken away from them. And it's sad. And you, as an organization, have invested time and money in these guys. And let's face it, what have they been doing? You don't know what they've been doing. You don't know where they've been hanging out. These are a bunch of young guys. You you just don't know. I wonder, as this continues to go on and they're not playing how many guys do you think hung them up no one's talking about this because everybody the only thing people talk about is is major league baseball no one's having these conversations like how many guys careers have just been ruined and they basically said i'm going to get a job i'm getting married and starting a family and i just you know it's over And those start dates for the minor league guys, that's tentative, Cody. I'm telling you right now, that's tentative. So next month's going to be 19 months. And then if this thing keeps getting pushed out, 
I mean, you're wipe, you're you're potentially wiping out a bunch of careers. And it's not these kids' fault. It's not baseball's fault. It's just it's just it's sad. It really is sad. When we taped Bill earlier today, he's one that's you know because I hadn't thought about it, and I hadn't thought about it from like a calendar standpoint. But as Bill, you're going to hear later on tonight, is he at he's at six, um, and Bill does a great job once again covering our minor league system. He said, I haven't written about a game in 18 months, a minor league game. It just shocked me. It was just, it's just, wow. I mean, can you imagine if what whatever your job is, and I'm sure, you know, people who have lost their jobs will, will understand this. Like when you don't have your job for 18 months, who knows what our minor league systems are going are to look like? I mean, they're all going to be named differently. It's everything's... But, man, the alternate site was great, but that's not that, – that, they weren't playing real games. From what I understand, right, Cody, they were playing like three innings, four innings. They weren't doing nine innings. Yeah, that's what we kept hearing was they were playing shorter games. And it's great, like, just to get these guys the work in, but it's one of those things where it needs to – you need to have actual competition to kind of grow. And – that's where when we talk, when we heard the rumors that there could be Stockton versus Sacramento, I was like, oh, this is exciting. You could see some of the A's minor leaguers versus a lot of the Giants minor leaguers because the Giants have a really competitive farm system that they're building, and the A's have a lot of top-heavy guys that they're looking to get experience because a lot of these guys, let's face it, the guys that are in spring training, they probably won't be in uh, on the big league roster to start the season. Maybe it depends on how it goes, but Caproli and J- Holmes and Jeffries will probably be pitching in AAA. But it'll be good to have them face actually. They're going to be at the alternate site. Well, yeah, then until until the season starts, yeah. the trip minor league yeah. season, and then they'll probably start in Vegas, where um, Fran Reardon's going to have to manage their inning, you know, manage them because they're going to be scoring so many runs. They'll have a lot of wins probably, but there's going to be so many runs scored and home runs given up that it's going to be, again, it's going to be impossible to how to uh, track how these pitches are doing in the minor leagues, especially in Triple A. In Fran, we trust. Yeah, I, I, I would not want that. pitching at AAA would be, would be awful. It'd be an honor, but it'd be awful. The way the league is now, what they've done, all the parks are either in desert-like thin air where the ball flies, or you're in elevation like Reno now. The ball just flies out of there. I mean, we saw it. We saw it the last. Well, we didn't see it last. We didn't see it last year, but the year before, when Vegas became the AAA affiliate. And I remember asking David Forrest at the time, "How do you evaluate these guys? These guys got like a six and five ERA, but it's not their fault. They're pitching in Vegas, where you don't get the same spin rate on the ball. The ball just flies. I mean, when we were there last year." for when the A's took on the Indians, I just sat back and watched batting practice and and our, obviously, major league players and just like the AAA players are just launching the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, those were long home runs during batting practice. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, I can't imagine I have to pitch here. Half my games I got to pitch here, and then now I got to go to Reno and I got to go to El Paso, and I'm like, oh, that, that, that's, Cody, that's tough sledding right there. And then with the hitters, how do you know they're that good? 
hey, guy has 24 home runs and 100 RBI. Well, he's playing in Vegas, shouldn't he? They're playing with the juice ball, juice air, juice park. Shouldn't he have great numbers? I mean, look at Dustin Fowler. He was a good example. He had a he had a good year in 2019, and he's playing for the Pirates now. And Seth Brown had a bunch of home runs. Remember, he was one of the league, the league leaders in home runs in AAA. And the A's called him up, and he was more of a guy that drove he, – he drove in runs. I think he had 13 RBIs his rookie season, but he had no home runs. So it's completely different with the way the air is and the elevation in Vegas. It's uh, – Triple A is so hard to evaluate, and I'm glad I'm not a scout or a general manager yet in my career, maybe down the road, but I'd hate to have to evaluate guys, especially hit. I mean, both sides, hitters and pitchers, because the league's so different than you know pitching in single and double A where there could be more of a hitters and, and pitchers ballparks. Yeah, it's uh, – it, it's <laughs> I, and then the other one for me is how are you going to trade minor leaguers? Hey, I mean – at some point, we're going to be talking about these guys haven't played in 20 months. How are you going to How are you going to trade for them if you're trying to do a trade? How do you, I mean? How do you evaluate someone who hasn't played in almost two years? That's why I think that Red Sox thing they did with the players to be named later could be something that we you know we see going forward, where you have to wait and see and and see you know more evaluations of guys, and then kind of like how Buddy Reed was the player to be named later in the ace trade with for uh, Jerks and Profar. So I think that could be something we see going forward where more uh, T, what is it, PTBNLs are, are in the uh, trade agreements for players going forward. Well, because otherwise, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're looking at someone's minor league system and you're going, hey, how did we evaluate this guy in 2019? How old was he in 2019? What was his weight at 2019? I mean, you're, you're, you're basically going off information from two years ago. And these trades, you know, when, when when you're giving up a big league player and you're trying to get a big lot of guys to come in and improve your minor league system, these trades are, are, are what, what help you get back on track and with so many teams that are rebuilding. Think of the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs got all these guys supposedly they want to deal, right? They're going to get rid of Bryant. If they're going to get rid of Rizzo, if they're going to get rid of Baez, they're going to get rid of these guys. Who are you going to trade them for? You're going to trade them for, hey, this guy looked kind of good at the alternate site last year. What? You're going to give up Chris Bryant for that? You're going to give up Chris Bryant off information that's 2019? That's, as an executive, that to me, that that would be scary. That's why I'm glad we're not in rebuild mode, and that you know, we, you know, Billy Bean and David Forrest don't do rebuilds. But these teams, how much? Hey, how about these teams that started getting the mindset of a rebuild, and then COVID hit? They had no idea that when they're looking to go young and they're looking at prospects and they're looking on, they had no idea COVID was going to hit and basically shut it all down. How far behind are you going to be if you made this the decision the year of COVID that we're going to go into rebuild mode? I'm the Rangers, I'm the Mariners, the, the Orioles had already been in rebuild mode, uh, uh, the Tigers, some of these teams, COVID hits. How of your young players that you think are going to get you out of the rebuild, they haven't played. You, you didn't see, obviously no one saw this coming, but how much 
Cody, is this going to set them back? That during your rebuild, your players couldn't play in real games. Your young players are not playing in real games. Yeah, look at look at some of the trades that have happened too. Remember the Cubs when they traded you Darvish to the Padres? They got a bunch of kids that are like essentially out of high school and they're not even twenty years old yet. And that's going to be hard for teams that drafted high school kids in you know the twenty nineteen draft or even last year. Like Tyler Soderstrom is a good example. Like yeah, he's getting to play in spring training, which is great. But guys were drafted before then. You draft and you're like, oh, we're going to have a full year of him. Maybe get him developed, go to a next level of minor leagues. There was no baseball last year for the minor leaguers, so it's hard to. <laughs> It's it's hard to evaluate a high school kid that's and it was looking at his first year in the minor leagues and he couldn't play. So I mean, what's he, it's like you can go back and play a senior year of high school again. So it's really hard. And, and you're right with the the Cubs and teams will want to trade players away. L- look at the Rockies, what they got back for Arenado. They got nothing back for him essentially. No, that's that. I'm not trying to knock the players they got back, but it wasn't like they got you know top five Cardinals prospects back. They got you know guys that were lower in their farm system back because. They don't have a lot of information on some of these guys, so it seems like they're more taking chances than anything. And this next time around, when we're going to have an alternate site, it's going to be guys that can help you. I don't think the young players will show up. I mean, we still don't know all the information as they're trying to work that out. But I think everybody that's going to end up in, let's just say, Stockton, they're going to be guys that are guys that can help the big club now. And then you'll keep your younger players, your prospects. You'll, you know, as the top 30 prospects just came out, Bill just did his, uh, Bill Moriarty just did his uh, top 10. I think the young guys will stay back in Arizona. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, it would make sense because you have the complex and everything. And they kind of do that. I don't know how they're going to divide it this year, but it would make sense to have them stay, some of the guys stick behind and get more work in because. You need to have them do something. They can't just sit around again because, uh, you know, you want to ch- – these are the future stars of your teams. And, you know, maybe we'll get into it later. Ken Rosen had a great piece talking about how you can fix the uh, service time manipulation where everyone becomes a free agent by their 28th birthday. Well, if that was the case right now, you got guys that haven't played in a year and a half. How's that going to help – how's that going to help them build their case for a free agency or getting an extension? Like, it's just – there's so many things you have to work through right now with baseball, and it's – I'm, I'm hoping, again, that we have the minor league season because I want to see some of these kids develop, not just in the ace system, but there are a lot of guys around baseball that, you know, I want to see Wander Franco play from, from the Rays. I want to see, you know, J- uh, Jared Kelnick play from the Mariners because, well, I don't think he's going to make the big club start after spring training. So that's <laughs> going to be a big thing. Now that he has a knee injury, too, and he's saying he'll be back in a week and, and Jerry DePoto's like, yeah, we're hoping to get him back in here in the near future. It's like, oh, my, it, this is just getting worse if you're a Mariners fan and you're – a guy that wants to see Jared Kelnick play. So there's a lot of guys around the, around the league I want to see perform who are the future stars of the game. Say Fernando Tatis was this guy, and we didn't get a chance to see him play in the minors because there was no games. You'd be missing out on a, on a generational talent not, be, not being able to play. All right, what do we do? Do we do we break for Fossey? Do we wait for A.J. Puck? What are we going to do here? Well, I, I told Fossey that we'll tell him to uh, – They'll tell him when to call in because he has to be out by five, and that's when Chris Rose is going to be joining us. So I, I heard from Fernando that they're they're trying to get Puck to call in the next few minutes. So hopefully he calls, and then we can have Fossey call. It won't be for half an hour, but we'll get Fossey on as soon as we can. Okay, so do we want a break or not? Uh, we could try it, yeah, and then if, if Puck calls in, then we'll come back from break. Okay, all right. Hopefully A.J. Puck, the big left-hander, next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the Red Sox. 
and you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. As we wait for AJ Puck, we're, we're gonna. I got. We're gonna have Puck. I pushed him back to 5:15 Bay, uh, Pacific time, uh, so we can do Fossey here and then Chris Rose. Um, so AJ Puck will be at 5:15. All right. Fossey so calling in. I texted him. I said you can call now because he has to be out by five. And then Chris Rose. We've never done this with him before. He's supposed to join us via video. So. Yeah. All right, well, do you have his open ready? Show the man his respect. Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Good afternoon, Ray. Tommy, my friend, how are you and the great Cody doing? We are doing well. How much fun are you having calling baseball games? Man, I get to enjoy play-by-play, man. That's fun. You know, that's that's fun. Ben's had the day off, so Ken Korak uh, rejoined the broadcast today. But So I got a couple of innings in, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's great to uh, look out over these beautiful fields, or at least at Mesa. And, um, you know, Chad Huss, a groundskeeper, great job keeping the field ready. Good to see fans on the stands. And, some good baseball, especially today, as I'm sure you heard it on A's cast. Was it a little weird at first with uh, fans in the stands when you're broadcasting? You know what was weird about it when the uh, seven inning games, which they're playing, the A's, I think maybe tomorrow we'll start playing nine innings. But, you know, I uh, talked to Joe Pun, who handles all the spring training facilities down here. And I said, Joe, what's going to happen in the seventh inning when uh, the A's win and there's no bottom of the seventh? Those seventh inning stretch song. He says, well, I guess. They'll just play it as they're leaving the park. Get out of here. Let's go. You know, <laughs> it's over. But, but you know, that that's the strange thing. And I think fans, you know, I, I said at the beginning, I, I think fans are so happy to be back that even when the game is over, they just kind of sit around. They don't want to leave. And I don't know that anybody's trying to push them out. So at least from Mesa's standpoint, we have not traveled. I know the A's are doing the road games, but um, it, it's a great sight to see. Uh, the fans of the stands, I've told that all games pretty much are sold out, 1,998. That's capacity considering the, the percentage of allowable fans in the stands. And they're spread out, and it's great. I, I think it's outstanding that uh, the people are there getting to enjoy the games. And the weather is picking up. It's great. It's nice. The wind has been blowing a little bit. But, you know, it's just fantastic. And I'm just sad that more people can't enjoy the games because I'm sure they would be down here as they normally would be with uh, great numbers, just like at the Coliseum the same way. It's, it's nice that baseball is getting back at least close to normalcy. And with fans in the stands, it really makes it great. You know, I think about your career and you talk about how many bullpens you caught, how you could have played longer if you didn't catch so many bullpens. And Chris Bassett <laughs> said something today, very interesting race by saying, you know what? By, by doing everything condensed, you know, it's better for the body. These guys are not standing around and running constantly for six, seven hours a day. And they're getting a lot of work done on the backfields. And he thinks this could change spring training forever. What do you think about that? I, I agree 100%. And I think the one thing, and, and I know he talked about in general not standing around. Ryan Christensen does a great job. And, you know, that's kind of been the, the main objective of every bench coach or everybody, uh, a coach that puts together spring training. You have to have the station set up so 
There's no standing around. There's constant moving. But I think what Chris said is true because right now uh, the, the players are somewhat limited as when they can go to the park. And, and I talked to Scott Emerson before the game started. I said, uh, Emma, I, I'm sorry to talk to you at this time because you're probably going to bed pretty soon. You're, you're probably getting up about four. And he said, no, about five. You know, So they get up early. They get to the park. They get prepared. And everything is said. And I give Ryan Christensen, who is doing it now, a lot of credit because he gets everything done. But tell me the one thing that I like, and Chris Bassett today, it's his first time. Now, the A's played 10 games. Today was the first time a starting pitcher who's projected to be a starter took them out. Now, Chris Bassett, as Scott Emerson said, he'd been throwing on the backfield, which all the pitchers have been doing, simulated games, getting their pitch counts up. And Bassett today should have gone about 50 to 60. He goes 40 in three innings, but because other pitchers needed to pitch and there's only a seven-inning game, which to me is absurd if you, if you think that way. But I looked down the bullpen, and yes, in the fourth inning, with pitches still needed to be throw, thrown, there is Chris Bassett throwing in the bullpen and getting his work in that way instead of on the mound because Deekman came in, Lou Trevino, Wendelkin, and Garrett. I mean, you know, the pitchers were on the, on the docket to pitch, but they're just not enough innings. And like I think I told you before that Scott Emerson said, I have more pitchers than innings, and which means that I, I've seen County every club has had 30-plus pitchers in camp. And if you're taking 13 with you to start the season, that's a whole bunch of pitchers that you'd like to see or from their standpoint they would like to pitch so maybe a club can see what they can do and or scouts in the stands can see what they can do. But I think that's where it's going to change, County, to the point of, Maybe the starters will not start at the beginning and throw their 20 pitches and leave. I think they'll do what Scott Emerson and Bob Melvin, whoever decided to do that, I think that's going to be the future where the starters will go to the backfield and they'll do their work and they'll be ready to pitch. And with, with opening day at the Coliseum three weeks from tomorrow night, you think and you do the math. The Chris Bassett made his first start of spring training today. He went three innings through 40 pitches. So he'll build up if he's the opener starter. Who knows that's who that's going to be? But whoever it's going to be will be able to have not as many appearances, but the same number of pitches to be ready to start the season. I can't wait to have you check out this virtual reality that the players are now using. And, and, and think about your career and the toughest pitchers that you ever faced. And you put these goggles on. Ray, and you, you get to see, you get to see that picture, and you get to see all of this stuff. It's virtual reality. You get to see it before you ever step out on the field and, and face that guy that day. I, I got to think that is a huge advantage for a hitter. <laughs> oh yes, it's going to be an advantage. But Tony, the way I think, and with all the scouting reports, everything I know as a hitter, the pitcher knows as a pitcher. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to get the pitches that normally he would be throwing because I, I think the game will change. But, you know, that is something I'm glad you told me because I hadn't heard of it about that. I, I knew they could have uh, uh, iPads on the bench to show the pitchers and how they throw what they throw, which helps that in itself. It helps a hitter before he goes to the plate to get an idea. Of course, Adam Roden, video coordinator. Um, before the game, but obviously now the players can't go during the game, so they sit on the bench, but there's an iPad with the pitchers on the particular team, and they can see how they throw, what they throw, but 
doing it virtually like that to wear the goggles, um, you know, that's going to be pretty interesting. I just hope, Townie, that we don't continue to see, unfortunately, for all teams, not, not the A's, but all teams, how many times do you see a hitter take a fastball down the middle of the plate for strike three when you're going, what in the heck are you looking for? Obviously not a fastball down the middle, but you'll see guys frozen head back to dugout with a fastball down the middle. It makes you wonder, what are you looking for? You should be looking for the baseball, especially with two strikes. And worst case, make contact to stay alive if you're looking for something else. But, uh, you know, you just cannot let a fastball go past you. So maybe you don't want to overanalyze so much that it, that it paralyzes you at the plate. You know, that old saying, you know, you don't want to be paralyzed by overanalyzation. And, and I think sometimes when you get too much information that you forget about what you're supposed to do, and that is see ball, hit ball, and let's play baseball. Jack Cust. What you just <laughs> said, may, how many times did he take a fastball, didn't offer right. it, strike three, and he just goes, you know, just walking back to the dugout. I'll never forget this, Ray. So the A's move on from Jack Cust. He only plays half, I think he played like 60-something games for the Mariners, and then his career was basically over. But I'll never forget, my father passes away. I go to the funeral in San Diego, and we're at the funeral. My brother and I say to everybody, uh, to all of our family, hey, who wants to go to the, the baseball game tonight, Don or my dad? Because my dad was a big Padres fan, season ticket holder. Yeah. So we take we get a bunch of these uh, cheap seats out in the outfield, and we, and we all go to the game and sitting there, and who are the Padres playing? They're playing the Seattle Mariners. And first at bat, Jack Cuss takes one right down the middle for strike three. I go, oh, my God, I've watched this so many times. Seriously, Foss, it's a fastball. How are you not swinging at it? You know, I, I agree. And listen, the, the one thing I learned, and I think a lot of hitters learn, is that you look fastball and you make an adjustment. And, and the reason I say that, because I think it was um, uh, Herrera pitching for the, the Royals, and he throws 100. <laughs> ask uh, ask um, um, Brett Lowry, because he threw one yeah. and he nailed him. You know, but, but I remember Jed Lowry got a, a game-winning hit in the bottom of the eighth inning against Herrera and the Royals. And I asked Jed, and I knew the answer before I, I, I asked him, but I thought it was his answer. I said, Jed, can you go to the plate and look soft? In other words, a breaking ball, change up, whatever. He said, not against somebody throws 98. He said, if you're not looking fastball and you get it, you can't hit it. So basically what he's saying, you look fastball and you start your swing to be prepared to hit the fastball. If you get it, you're great. Because normally, if you get a pitch that you're looking for, and especially a fastball, and in case of Jack Cust, who had tremendous power to all fields, you're going to crush the baseball. But if you go up there looking for a changeup, a slider, a curveball, and here comes a fastball, there's nothing you can do. You're done. And I think that's why, because of the scouting reports, because hitters are told that this pitcher and this count will throw this pitch, sure, he might do that, but he also knows that you know that. So what is he going to do? He's going to change it up. So that's why you look fastball. I had my best seasons. I, I hate to talk about what I did and all that stuff, you know, you know me better than that. But I do know that when I got to the point in my career where I started looking fastball and adjusting on anything other than a fastball, I had my best time. 
I hit the best because I was ready to hit the fastball. And again, the late Darren Johnson would tell Sal Bando, come on, Captain, you're going to get a fastball. Be ready for it. You can't, you can't be looking at the pitcher throwing it out of his hand and then make a determination because you have less than one second to swing or decide what you're going to do. So again, you look fastball and you get it, you're going to be prepared for it. And I, I, I'm shocked what I see. You, do you remember, I, I told you this before, what Brooks Robinson, I asked him one time, I said, Brooksy, 16-time gold glover, great hitter, clutch hitter. I said, how do you hit as you get older? He said, I will never, ever let a fastball get past me because if I do, people will think I can't hit. Because if you, if you find as you get older and you can't hit a fastball, they figure you're done. And so he said, I would never do that. And, you know, he's telling me this as when I was Cleveland. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to throw you a fastball. You know, I'll throw you something other than a fastball. But, but, you know, that was a good philosophy. But I think it also applies to young players as well, simply because you, you can't, you know, if you have a pitch that you can sacrifice, yes. And I say sacrifice, meaning let's say it's 2-0, something like that, where if you don't get the pitch you're looking for and it's a strike, at least you can still have time to make an adjustment and, and have a good at bat. But if it's a two-strike pitch and you're looking for a certain pitch and you don't get that pitch and you take it, you're walking back to the dugout and hoping the guy in the on-deck circle picks you up because – you know, you're doing something that I think is the biggest problem in baseball with regard to hitting because you're just overanalyzing. Well, the reason why I'm listening is because I know you owned Nolan Ryan, so obviously <laughs> you weren't afraid of the fastball. <laughs> well, you know, listen, I, I, I said it. You owned I, it. I said, listen, in 1970, and I probably had my best year that year, it's when I pretty much said, I'm going to lift the front leg. I'm going to be prepared for a fastball. And when I got the fastball, I hit it. I had 16 home runs at the All-Star break. Unfortunately, had a certain collision, broke my shoulder, and I had two more with a broken shoulder. But, you know, that, that first half of the season, man, it was so much fun going to the plate saying, throw me the fastball, I'm going to be ready. You throw me a slider, curveball, something, and I see the spin of uh, the breaking ball, and I know it's going to be out of the strike zone. I don't swing at it. But eventually, you're going to throw me a fastball, and I'm going to be ready for it. You know, uh, later on today, Bill Moriarty from uh, athleticsfarm.com is going to join us. He does a great job covering uh, the A's minor leagues. We taped the interview earlier today, and it was shocking, Ray, when he goes, I haven't written about a minor league game in 18 months. And thinking, these guys, 18 months, Ray. Tally, we've talked about that and how sad it is that their whole season last year was ended. And, and, you know, thank God at least six of the games were played in Major League Baseball. Otherwise, some of the Major League uh, Baseball writers would have been saying the same thing. But you know what? How, how about spring or, or minor league baseball being delayed a month this year? So what's going to happen when, let's say, the A's three weeks from tomorrow night open up and, you know, the, the minor leaguers aren't really going to start spring training until what mid late April and and because normally they start about the same time and their spring training is shorter because they figure they don't need as much time which you know it's it, I think it becomes more monetary than anything but uh but but still I, I think it's it's going to be kind of a detriment in a sense to the minor league players because of the players in camp now say with the athletics that normally in about another week with the minor league is showing up you'd start seeing 
the 40-man roster players who aren't going to make the team, some of the spring training invitees, uh, okay, you're not going to make the team, so, you know, you're going to go, here's your, at least you go to AAA or minor league camp, uh, or you can be a free agent, whatever. But the 40-man roster players, you start to see that dwindling as those players would get option, they don't, they don't have any place to go. So essentially, they have to stay with the big club until the club breaks camp, and then they go and they'll be kind of <laughs> playing against the, themselves in the squad games until spring training officially begins for them. So I'm not shocked, but I know it's sad, especially for the minor leaguers, because, you know, essentially, Tony, and, and I was thinking today, Bob Melvin does such a great job that the players today, the, the, basically the lineup is going to be playing in Oakland. Uh, the pitchers for the um, the Brewers today weren't that great, so they got their three at-bats relatively early. Some got them done in back-to-back innings. But Bob Melman is so good at letting a lot of the young players play and pitchers when necessary. But, but he also has in the back of his mind, I have to get my players ready who are going to be playing. But he, he also makes sure that those players either can be seen by the A's organization the, the baseball operations people who were in the booth up near us and Billy Bean and Dave Forrest and, and all the other guys, the scouts are down on the stands, getting a chance to see these players play. And I, I, as I said today, you know, in case of Buddy Reed, who's having a tremendous spring, you know, there are scouts behind the stands. It's not just your club that you're playing for. You're playing for 29 other teams because if you're out of options and it comes down to where, let's say the club says, unfortunately, we don't have spot for you. Those other clubs who have watched you play may be saying, okay, this guy is now free agent. We can sign him, but it's based on what you've done in the spring. And I think that benefits the players. But, but you know, I think with spring training being delayed and the season being delayed for the minor leaguers, I think it's going to be tough on them. But, you know, you have to have a good minor league system to build your major league team. You either use those players, as Billy Bean would always say, you try to build up your minor league system. Maybe you want to trade somebody to help your major league team. But also, if a player leaves via free agency, you have guys in the minor leagues who can play. How about Nick Allen, the shortstop? I mean, this kid's ready to play major league baseball. But as David Ford said, he needs to get some advance in the minor leagues because he hasn't played any higher than a ball. So he needs to play at the minor league level. The alternate side last year, while great, it wasn't that great when it comes to getting quality at bats. So they need the minor league system. I think they need to play as many games as possible because the enthusiasm you see from these minor league players, their goal is to get to the big leagues and put on that big league uniform and play major league baseball. And the great late Satchel Page always said, never slow down because there's always somebody trying to catch you. And that's exactly what minor league baseball does to major league players. It's not a given once you get to the big leagues that you're going to stay in the big leagues. You have to work as hard, if not harder, to stay in the big leagues as it was to get there. What have you seen so far in Tyler Salderstrom? You know, not a lot because I didn't see him yesterday. And, uh, you know, I think he got in the game late today. But, you know, he he needs time, obviously, because he was just drafted last year. But, you know, I think of all players who are drafted, a catcher needs more time at the minor league level than anybody. Because if you've been in high school and or even college, you have been calling a game with hitters using an aluminum bat. And a lot of times the pitches are being called by the coach in the dugout. So as far as a catcher in the minor leagues, I think if you don't get a good three to four years in the minor leagues, you're going to be lost when you get to the big leagues because you're going to have the pitcher out there saying, what are you doing, kid? You're calling pitches that you don't have any idea. And I think that's where Sean Murphy does such a good job because he studies, 
and he and the pitchers work very well together. But if you take a young player, in this case, a Soderstrom, who is, is, has a bright future, but I think he needs time at the minor leagues to call a game, to see major, quality pitchers, and I started to say major league, but a lot of times you're seeing former major league pitchers pitching at the AAA level. But, um, you know, position players and pitchers, I think sometimes they rush them because they can. But I think a catcher, it, it's not good for him to be rushed because there's such a lot to learn, and we're best to learn it than playing every day at the minor league level. Ray, you are the best, my friend. Be safe. It's great hearing you on A's cast, and we'll talk next week. Tommy, do the best. Cody, you're doing okay, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I'm good, Ray. Uh, sorry about all the mix-up on the timing, but I'm glad we were able to get you on your not normal time slot and, and get you out before 5 o'clock. So, well, 6 o'clock for you. No, yeah, no, this is this is fine. Listen, it's always a thrill to talk to you guys. And, uh, you know, baseball is back. And, I, and, you know, we talked on the air before. I, I know you've got another guest, but the fans who want to see the Oakland A's, the Coliseum, because it's a limited, it's a percentage, don't wait around for tickets. Because if you want to watch your team play, get your tickets as quickly as you can. Because if you're only allowing, what, 11,000 people, and who knows how long that's going to be, if you want to watch your team play, you better get your tickets so you can go to the Coliseum and enjoy baseball. And as we talked today, as Elvis Andrews said, I don't care how many people at the Coliseum, that's the loudest I've ever heard. So now he's a shortstop for the A's. But those 11 or 12,000 who are allowed to go in, they are loud. They enjoy their team. They enjoy baseball. So that's what we said on the air today, and I would encourage it again for those listening now. Get your tickets as quickly as you can. Always be selling, Ray. Good job. <laughs> How's the chicken pie shop at Walnut Creek? Speaking of that. Oh, hey, our outdoor dining is absolutely gorgeous. Come see us in Walnut Creek. Hey, can't wait, buddy. You're the best. Talk Take to you guys care. later. The great okay. Ray Fossey. Yeah, that's right. Check out the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. Trust me, you're going to love it. Coming up next, Chris Rose is going to join us right here on A's Cast Live. Chris Bassett was on A's Cast Live and explained the joy in the A's clubhouse heading into 2021. I think baseball has gotten to a point where that is you're kind of losing that where people people talk all the time like have the kids have fun let the kids have fun and then i look at your team and your, your team's miserable you might be having fun individually but your team's dang miserable so i i might have so many we have so many teammates now new teammates that come into this organization it's like holy crap this is like a breath of fresh air like this is fun to be around when like, you come to the ballpark it's fun to play here um so, I mean, obviously Chapman and Olsen and Pinder and all those guys, they make it just extremely competitive, but then just be yourself, talk crap, and just have fun with each other. So I think the guys that leave, we still talk to them. I mean, I won't name names, but they, they're they like, dang, we, I mean, we miss it. Like over here, it's not even comparable to where you guys are at now. So I think our atmosphere that we have here is just unbelievable. I and mean, obviously, Bowmel deserves a ton of credit. David Forrest, I think, and the front office deserve, deserve a ton of credit because I think they truly understand how important a locker room dynamic is. And I think that's so rare. I don't think teams realize that. I don't, I don't think they get it. I just think analytically, they just say, put the best players on the field and that's going to be good enough. And the human aspect of it all is it's, it's kind of lost. It's, it's just, it's like, if you're not having fun when you show up to the ballpark, the team's not working together, the team's not fighting with each other. 
um, for a common goal, you're screwed. I mean, you're, you're, you're screwed. So I just think what we have here is so beyond special that I just, I know I don't take it for granted. I know, I know, I know no one else in this clubhouse does either. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcast. This is Chris Townsend. If you're looking for a new mattress, look no further than my friends at nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. You'll get the ultimate mattress for your needs. And green and gold fans, right now, if you use the coupon code Oakland, you'll get 10% off your entire order. That's use the coupon Oakland to get an entire 10% off your order. Remember, nestbedding.com, America's favorite online mattress brand with stores around the Bay Area and around the country. You need a new mattress? You go to nestbedding.com. Become an A's insider today. Visit athletics.com slash newsletter and sign up to receive the latest team highlights, up-to-date news, features, and more, all delivered free to your inbox. That's athletics.com slash newsletter. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. If you're looking for some beautiful outdoor dining, then look no further than the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come try the world-famous chicken pie dinner that has been served in Southern California for over 80 years and one of the most dynamic menus in Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop also has a full takeout menu and delivery. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Don't forget, they can also deliver beer, wine, and spirits. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I'm getting hungry listening to that commercial. Chris Rose is going to join us in moments. We think he's going to be stopping by on video. Oh, I, I got the I got the notification right here. He he's ready to join right now. So let's put him through. All right. Yeah, there we go. Chris, how are you? What's going on, guys? Yeah, this, this, this welcome to our millennial technology. It doesn't always work. <laughs> hey, listen, guys. I've I've done enough over the last year to where I totally get it. I understand. I could see you. I just couldn't hear you. So we'll do business the old-fashioned way. Here we go. Yeah, no, it's great to see you. How, how's everything down in Southern California with the family? We're doing okay, thank you. We're doing all right. We're um. You know, the the good news is my youngest son has his first football game of the season this weekend. So, oh. yeah, we're yeah, even though we're fully immersed in in baseball and everything else, it's like wait a second. So he's got a football game in the middle of March. Got it. Um so it's exciting. You get to play the uh it's the quickened three-game season down here in LA, but we'll take it. Three Yeah, I got a buddy up here who's a uh head coach varsity football and they're playing four games i feel so bad for these seniors but at least they're getting something you know before you before you came on we were talking about your your new podcast the chris rose rotation podcast on john boy media congratulations on this uh it, it's it's awesome with the with with the players and, and what you're doing yeah we just we just uh kicked off last week and so the premise behind it is you'll hear a lot of guys come on you know whatever sort of shows and talk seven or eight minutes and you know the hosts are trying to cram everything into the interview we don't want to talk about this that the other thing okay thanks and you might hear them one other time during the season and I think it's one of the reason why reasons why baseball is is kind of behind the marketing times if you will 
So what I wanted to do was have a long forum place where players could go. I've got a half dozen active players who are rotating, not as my guests, but as my co-hosts. So Trevor May of the Mets, Stephen Brawl to the Pirates, Miguel Rojas of the Marlins, Tyler Glass now of the Rays, Archie Bradley of the Phillies, and Lucas Giolito of the White Sox are the six guys. So each time, uh, first time through the rotation, it was just the two of us talking. And then next turn through the rotation, we're going to drop in a guest that will join us as well for 20 minutes. So you really kind of get an idea of who these players are, their backgrounds, where they're from, how they've dealt with their successes and failures throughout. And then you really don't ever get an opportunity where an active player is interviewing an active player. You know, there's just usually it's media member or former player doing the interviewing. It's not active player. So I think that's going to be the fascinating part that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's a, it's a great concept. And, you know, it, d- during our careers, consultants always tried to tell us less is more, shorten the interviews. And they were wrong because what we have discovered, whether it's the athletic and their journalism or it's podcast, if you do quality work, people will want to hear a half hour, an hour. Like take our show. Our show's a three-hour show. If you're not able to, to to listen to our show, you can go to the A's website and download that. They'll be able right. to download you individually. So it's like it's it's changed. If you do quality work, you can do longer than six, eight minutes. And, and before you know it, I mean, yes, we are in a world where our attention span has dwindled. Uh, it's not just kids. It's adults, too. Or we're all kind of in that. But at the same time, when you get hooked onto something and, and it like we're trying to keep it right around an hour. Some have gone an hour and five or what have you. That's basically a workout, whether you're taking a walk or doing something in the gym uh, or getting on the elliptical or the bike, whatever it is. Um, So I feel like that's a really good time to get to know these guys too. And, and I was, listen, I've, I've had the chance to interview each of them multiple times over the years on intentional talks. And they're taking a leap of faith. You know, they're, they're taking the chance of being vulnerable. I had one of them ask me before signing on, he said, hey, what happens if I pitch like crap and the next day we're supposed to tape a podcast? And I said, listen, maybe I could push it 24 hours, but I got to be honest with you. People want to hear on days where you're not doing okay. Like we don't understand as baseball fans how you get – past giving up six runs in three and a third when you have to sit and stew for the next four days and not get another crack at it like how, if you're doing if you're not doing well we want to hear that you know maybe talking it out will help you so I think we're going to find out some fascinating stuff and I think they're all looking forward to it well I I, I said this before you came on and you didn't get to hear it um, you have been one of the top television hosts that we've had in sports for, for years, you know, your work on MLB network, what you've done NFL network, the old show on Fox sports back in the day. I'm just going to say this as a guy that's brought you on as much as we possibly can. It's just not the same without you. And we miss you. Well, I listen, I appreciate that. And it has nothing to do with it. You know, they're going to pick somebody to, to sit in the seat. The honest to God truth is, although I am, extremely sad because I I love doing the show and Kevin's one of my best friends. The show, uh, 
the, the two guys who created it, Tony Petiti and John Ed, who at the time were running MLB Network, were super smart. And if there are any producers or aspiring producers out there, listen to this. They picked the people before they created the show. I'm going to repeat that. They picked the people before creating the show. And at the end of the day, those people who consumed our product, who watched, who led us into their homes, did it because they liked the two of us together. And we did some silly things and some stupid things and all that sort of stuff, but we did it together, right? And so the show will still be fine. It just won't be what it was intended to be. You know, Sports Center is Sports Center, right? You might like certain anchors more, but the idea is kind of the same. If they take Scott Van Pelt's show and put somebody else on it, it's not going to be the same. So um, until Chris Rose owns a network, <laughs> I, I don't really have a say in it. And it's unfortunate that, that you know, I, I got caught in kind of a really strange timing in our country. But as I told people, we're in great shape. There are a lot of people who lost homes and family members and things of other, you know, my heart might hurt a little bit, but compared to what other people have lost. Uh, in this last year, it does not compare. You know, what you're doing now with this podcast, it makes me think of a game that we had last year. It was a Saturday game of the week between the A's and the Padres. And they mic'd up Fernando Tatis yep. Jr. And they mic Mike and, and our own Mark Canna. So Mark Canna's had a great personality. No one in America knew. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't realize Fernando Tatis Jr.'s personality was so dynamic. I mean, he's a funny guy. He's a witty guy. He's out there playing shortstop, making jokes. Uh, I, what you're doing is allowing the players to show their personality because, as you said earlier, baseball's not good at doing that. I would agree with you. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the comment. Um, I want to help grow the game. I, I really do. I, and the guy, you know, when it first joined on with MLB Network 10 years ago, I had a lot of my friends in the business say, well, why are you doing that? Baseball is so boring. And I said, you know what? Baseball itself and the players are not boring. I think the way we have covered it is boring. So we've done a disservice to the viewer and the fans out there because we haven't done a good enough job of uncovering the personalities. And I think, you know, when you ask the people that did like intentional talk, what did you like most about it? It was basically two things. It was one, the chemistry between Kevin and myself. And the other thing, which might actually be one instead of one A, is that the interviews were fun. And we got to know these guys more than just throwing a three-two slider. And that's what you're going to get on this. You know, I've already taped one turn through the rotation and I've had two of the guys cry on the show. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do that, but man, we've hit on some amazing topics that, you know, they're not talking, they're not crying because they were upset of, of a baseball game result. It's because of something that has transpired in their life. And you probably wouldn't know it. If you, if you don't tune in, you're just going to get a better connection with the players that you're rooting for. And I think that that is a win for everybody. 
Well, I, I mean, think about what you guys did for Stephen Vogt. Like, we knew Stephen Vogt was a great guy. We knew Stephen Vogt was a funny yep. guy. But most people in baseball didn't know. Once he started doing the referee thing on your guys' show, now all of a sudden Stephen Vogt's an all-star and people know who he is. I'm holding his bobblehead. <laughs> He's wearing a referee's outfit and socks pulled up to his knees. That does not happen without coming on the show. It just doesn't. And I remember the day, you know, because Kevin and Johnny Gomes were tight. Yeah. And so Johnny was just supposed to join us that day. And Johnny calls and he goes, hey, Kevin and Chris, um, I've got an amazing guy. Can you just get a second headset out there? I don't want to tell you too much, but Stephen Boat is hilarious. And we were like, okay, great. We didn't know anything about Stephen. They come out and he does his thing and had us dying, right? I mean, oh, it yeah? was that moment for the show and for him. And I still talk to Steven. I've become friends with him. And I'm so thankful that Johnny Gomes made that call that day because he got a platform to show the world that he's more than just a no batting gloves hitting catcher that can rake and is a nice dude. You know, it's I, I was just so happy for him moving forward. Well, we always appreciate your time. Let us help, you know, because we're doing the same thing. It's what A's Cast and A's Cast Live is, and we've got a few years under our belts, and the numbers just grow really fast. So let us help you uh, continue to grow this new venture for you because I think it's going to be a huge hit. Well, I really appreciate it. and I've, I've really, you know, John Boy Media, when, when some people heard it originally, they're like, oh, those are the Yankee guys that just do those breaks. No, they're so much more. They're super smart. And they're not coming. They're here. And so I, I appreciate it. I want you guys to just give it a chance because you'll want to listen to these episodes and you'll go, man, these guys are they're great. They're great for the game. And I wish that the league would do more. But in the meantime, we will do our share. And I promise to get some A's guests on there this season as well. Well, be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Chris Rose. And like I said, Chris Rose has been one of the top TV hosts. I mean, when you work for the NFL Network and you work for uh, Major League Baseball, the network, and all the stuff that he's done and the national stuff, it's always great to uh, – have him on the program. Do we have AJ Puck? How are you? Hey, how you doing? Uh, we're doing great, man. And I, I think for you, I'm so happy for you for the fact that you get to come to spring training and you can just throw the baseball, feel free, feel good. What's it been like so far? Uh, yeah, you know, it's been uh, great so far, you know, just uh, sticking, uh, you know, day to day, coming in and getting my work in and, uh, you know, and just, uh, just feeling good, so I'm happy where I'm at. So we had your throwing partner on, Jesus Lazardo, and Jesus talked about, you know, how good you look. But then he said he was drumming you in golf. Is that true? Is he giving us real information? Because I hear you guys teed it up a lot together. Uh, yeah, you know, there'll be some days where, you know, he plays terrible and I play good or we both play terrible or, uh, you know, but I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, we, uh, we're pretty, I think we're pretty even. So, uh, but no, it was, uh, it was a fun off season playing quite a bit of golf. Yeah. It's always good to have that throwing buddy and where you guys can look at each other. And he said, you, you look healthy and you look great. What are your expectations for this season? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just looking to come in and, uh, you know, just prove my health and, you know, you know, I just want to pitch, you know, just, uh, you know, whatever role they decide for me, you know, I just want to be out there and, uh, just help contribute. What do you think for you right now is the best role? Uh, yeah, you know, I can see it going, uh, you know, I think it just all depends on, you know, as I continue to build up to see how, you know, how I feel and how I'm bouncing back. And, you know, so far I've been, uh, uh, throwing about two innings, uh, uh, the other day, you know, I'm bouncing back, uh, feeling well. So I'm just, just keep building on that and just see, uh, see where we're at. How impressed are you with the rotation depth for the A's right now? Cause it, it seems like. You know, whoever's ending up in Vegas, the rotation depth is is really good. Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's crazy to see. Uh, with, uh, you know, we got a whole bunch of guys, uh, young and guys who have been around here for a little bit, and uh, we got uh, some, you know, some competition, I guess. And uh, you know, it's just it's awesome to see. It makes uh, you know, makes life a little you know easier with uh, enough prior for uh, decisions to know that the depth goes on and on. Inside that clubhouse, talk about just how this team's ready to win again. They're talking about World Series. Just talk about the confidence you see in the clubhouse. Yeah, you know, you walk in the clubhouse and everybody's buzzing. You know, everyone wants to come in and just get work and, you know, just continue to keep working towards that goal. You know, the atmosphere is great. You know, it's every single day you show up uh, and everybody's ready to go. So it's, I mean, it's, it's fun to be around. You know, everybody thinks of you as a big left-handed pitcher, but they, they may not know that you come from a real football background. My best friend was a cheerleader at Stanford and went to went to school with your uncle who played football at Stanford. I know your dad and your other uncle uh, both played in the Big Ten. Just talk about the football background that you have had also as a quarterback yourself and how you utilize that in baseball. Uh, yeah, you know, growing up, you know, I just played, uh, you know, football, basketball, and baseball. And, uh, yeah, growing up, you know, I loved football. It was, uh, definitely a fun sport. And it's, uh, uh, it's, <clears throat> yeah, I guess I don't know. I just, uh, just found to love baseball a little bit later on. And that's just the, the path that happened. And, yeah, you know, I think it's always good playing other sports and, uh, you can just help you out in, uh, in all different ways. Did you get any looks for college football? Uh, I mean, I got like a couple of like letters, but nothing, nothing crazy. And I stopped, uh, I stopped before my junior year. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what would happen with that. Well, you had the height. There's no question with that. <laughs> hey, when, when Bob Melvin and start with, with Randy Johnson, what was that like for you to, 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 to get to meet Randy and talk to Randy, truly one of the greatest pitchers of all time? Yeah, you know, I've had uh, the opportunity to, to you know, have uh, listening on conversations with uh, Randy. I think that was my that was my second time uh, that I was able to speak with him. And uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty great. You know, he has all the wisdom from uh, you know just being you know probably uh, the best left-handed ever, if not just for both uh, right or left-handed. It's just it's just great. Uh, just you know, hearing his story and just seeing. Uh, and you can just pick off some little bit of details from it. Yeah, let's end on this. What was the number one thing, the 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 best advice he gave you? Uh, yeah, you know, he said just make sure you want to 
over the years, just make sure you still want to, you know, keep playing because, you know, it's, uh, you just got to keep working hard and, you know, eventually, you know, the, the hard work will show. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he kind of just talked about, you know, his career path and like what it was like for him. And, uh, you know, just, I mean, it's just uh, cool to hear. Hey, thanks for the time. We always appreciate it. Be well down there in Arizona and we'll see you in Oakland. All right. Thank you for having me. AJ Puck, the big left-hander out of the University of Florida. I'm telling you, man, it's just it it doesn't matter which sport. When you're hurt and you can't contribute, you're miserable. You're rehabbing, you're not with the team all the time. Chris Bassett's been real good about this, explaining it. And what it means when all of a sudden you're healthy again. You can show up to the field and compete and not be thinking about your elbow and not be thinking about your shoulder and just let the ball go. Let the let the natural talent take over. And this might be one of those years where Bob Melvin looks at it and Billy Bean and David Forrest and they go, we want to win games. Kids not built up yet to go every five days. Commander, you might be right. Maybe the best spot to put him, maybe the bullpen, at least in the beginning. And if he can give you two innings every couple days, I mean, that's a weapon right there. And if you're not going to go with a six man rotation, which is something they haven't really discussed, it, Puck seems to be the guy that could be the odd man out, but not in the sense where he's the odd man out and he's not going to get a chance to start. He could still be a spot starter or for a guy where you want to add another start into a week, but a guy that could pitch three days a week, potentially out of the bullpen, multiple innings. We saw Josh Hader pitch today for the Brewers. I mean, he got he got shelled a little bit there, giving up home runs to Austin Allen and Ramon Laureano. But the A's own Hader. Yeah, maybe we'll get to that later. The A's do own him because in 2019 when he came to, o- to Oakland, Oakland's on a good ballpark for Josh Hader to pitch at. But apparently it's either Ho-Hokum, so – uh, Josh Hader just can't pitch against the A's, but what with Puck, I looked it up. He has a you know how many career innings he has in the majors. Now was this 2019? But how many career innings do you think he has? It's like it's like 10 or 11. He's at 11 and a third in career innings. To be but cons- he's like two and zero oh though, right? Two and zero oh with an ERA almost under three. He has 13 strikeouts in those 11 and a third innings. To be considered not a rookie slash prospect anymore, you have to get to at least 50 innings. So AJ Puck. Still, depending where you look, the number one or two prospect in the ace system. So it's it's so you crazy. You know that fries me. I know. You know that fries me. It's just it's just wild that because I remember a couple of years ago I brought it up to you earlier that there was the same thing with Matt Latos. If you remember Matt Latos, the big righty from the Padres, who went to pitch for the Reds, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth in baseball. That was the thing with him too about rookie of the year. He wasn't eligible because he had, I think, because he had too many innings pitched the year before, but he was still considered a rookie. Uh, it was a whole thing, but yeah, with with Puck, I want to. I selfishly, I want to see him pitch out of the bullpen and build himself up. But I think the best route for him is whatever Bob and David and Billy feel is the best route. You know, the best utilization for him to help the team win. So who cares what I want? It's what. What do you think he can do the best to help the team win? Now he pitched a sim game a couple days ago, and then I think he pitched one yesterday. And I think Bob said he slated to pitch on the 13th, so Saturday. And then after that, they'll try to get it. They'll try to start getting into some ca- tactics league games. So, hopefully, within the next week or so, we'll see him pitching an, an actual—not an actual game, but an actual spring training game, just not a game that counts. What other sport 
do you actually play? And they then still consider you a prospect. Name me another sport. If uh, you play one down in the NFL, you're an NFL player. One down. I think hockey kind of has that. I mean, not a lot of people understand hockey or watch hockey that much, but I think you can see guys that debut in hockey, then they get sent back down. But Basketball, if you play yeah. in the NBA, you're an NBA player. James Wiseman for the Warriors has played more games. He's played like a triple – I've heard many games he's played this year for the Warriors. But he's played more games than he's played in college. He played three games at Memphis, and that was always a big talking point. He played three games at Memphis, and he's played like in 15 or so NBA games now. So he's already played three times or five times the amount of games he played in college. But, yeah, with baseball, it's so weird when you look at that because you're so considered a prospect. If you go 49 innings, say uh, say this year, complete hypothetical, full Jim Harbaugh, Tyler Sodishan plays 49 innings, or I think it's 130 bats. Say he gets 129 at bats, and they send it back down. He's still considered a prospect coming back for next year. That's uh, it's it's stupid. <laughs> Jesus Lazardo pitched in a playoff game, and then and then last season was still considered a prospect. You pitch in a playoff game? Yeah, I have the I have the full designation. I don't want to hear it. It just makes me mad. AJ Puck is two and zero in big league baseball. He's not a prospect. He's one games at the major league level that's not what a prospect is well it's weird because they have it on here 45 total days on an active major league roster prior to september 1st when clubs are allowed to expand the rosters from the 25 player limit to include any player on the 40-man roster from september 1st through the end of the regular season both at bats and innings pitch count against rookie eligibility but days only on big league roster do not so so essentially if you're on if you come up from after september 1st and you don't play at all, but you're on the roster, it doesn't matter. You're still considered a prospect going into the next year. Hey, we, we, don't, make, we, don't, make the, we don't make the rules. That's a Major League Baseball thing. It's on the website. You go to you just Google MLB rookie eligibility, and there's a whole thing from MLB.com under their glossary of how to, you know, to look it up. There's so many archaic things that go on that you just want to go – to the commissioner's office and go, you got to change this. You got to change that. You got to, I mean, you got to get with the times, man. There's just too many arcade. Why, why is it that way? Well, cause it's always been done that way. Well, maybe you need to change it. I always hate that rationale. It's always been done this way. That's what why, does that mean? that's like, why, that's why we're seeing so much change in, in, in not just sports, but overall a big change. We just saw Amelia Schimmel, who's going to be on with us in an hour. The new public address announcer of the A's is now the third female voice uh, uh, in P- uh, public address announce voice in baseball. I believe the Mets and then Rennell for the Giants have the other two. So change. Just because forever it was always a male voice, change is what's happening now. There's a lot of – baseball needs to evolve more like the other sports have with hockey and – well, hockey still kind of archaic too. But football and basketball definitely uh, evolve. But baseball is trying to go that way. Uh, if we can start getting more – uh, what the people want with social media and, and you know, players and their, uh, you know, expressing their personalities. I think baseball can go a long way. I, yeah, she's just the, she's just the fourth all time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's historic stuff. Yeah, it's, it's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, I like hockey. Hockey wants to hold on to their old terminology. You know, they call their multi multi million dollar. They're now billion dollar arenas barns. No, it's not a barn. You pay in, play in a billion-dollar arena. 
That ain't a barn. You're not wearing a sweater. It's a jersey. You sell them as jerseys. <laughs> They're not sweat. The, the, the old terminology of hockey, and it's kind of, maybe a little bit of the reason why there's certain people who just, I don't care about that sport. There's so many Americans who just don't care about hockey because they're trying to keep their Canadian ways. It's like, it's right. Yeah, when I go to the Shark Tank, I don't call it, hey, I'm going to the Shark Barn. I call it the Shark Tank. Uh, and I have a hockey, I have a jersey upstairs. I don't call it, oh, I'm going to go get my sweater and put it on. If I'm talking about a sweater, I'm talking about a cardigan to wear over, which I don't wear, but that's what I would say, call a sweater. And maybe people will get into hockey because now hockey, after they sign their huge their huge deal, is not going to be on ESPN again. Just give me Gary Thorne. That's all I care about. Give me Gary Thorne on NHL, and you could bring start bringing the sport back. But they're one of the most archaic sports when it comes to everything because they just they don't change uh, the stuff they do. I don't disagree with you on that at all. Yeah, I mean, because you hear it if you listen to the broadcast around the country. Yeah, it's like they 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 want to be stuck in the fifties. <laughs> like, well, that's that was the heyday, Gordy Howe, man, Gordy Howe, and all the guys that played back then. And then you got you evolved to you know Bobby Orr and and uh, Gretzky and Lemieux and Gretzky now, had a good little career. Yeah, so so did Lemieux. Mario had a nice little career, and now you got the Crosby's and McDavid's of the world. That's you know Mario or Mario? Uh, it, I, I, I guess everyone I've heard in Pittsburgh, and I'm allowed to go talk about it because I grew up with him being the him and. Yamir Yager being the two big guys and Ron Francis too, but uh, I always call him Mario, but everyone calls him Mario. I, I mean, to each his own. Potato, potato. Uh, as we're probably losing listeners because we're talking about old hockey players, they probably <laughs> kids my age probably have no idea uh, about Wayne Gretzky. But I will drop one Gretzky stat that will never stat that will never be broken. Wayne Gretzky has more career assists than Yamir Yager has in has points, and Yager's second all time behind Gretzky. Think about that. Yeah, he has more assists than anyone has points. Yeah. And by the way, for you non-hockey people, points, goals, and assists added together are points. Gretzky <laughs> has more assists than anyone has points. He's literally the most dominant North American athlete of all time. Uh, he his scored- stats, his stats are stupid. He had a two hundred point season. <laughs> like there's guys where's guys we're lucky if guys in, the, in hockey now get 100 points in a season he had 200 in a season before I, I don't I can't remember if he did it multiple times but I know he did it at least once that's insane he had like 90 goals one year 90 who, who do we who do we have next uh Craig Mish to talk about the fish okay I, I'm telling you I, I going over getting ready for this interview with the Mar- I don't know how they made the playoffs yeah me either but they did it's all that matters they, they, their run differential was minus 41. There was a bunch of – they used 61 players in 60 games because they had so many guys get COVID. Their home record was 11-15. and 15. They didn't win at home. They didn't hit. But the Marlins were in the postseason. We'll talk to Craig next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN and MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. And when I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to Ace Cast Live. It was cool having him on from South Florida, especially when we were talking about the KBO and just getting some type of sports back. He had a sweet setup, and, and uh, I might I could say it rivals what what uh. You know him as Allen. I know him as Roxy Bernstein has at his place in the peninsula. As you always say, 
Nothing nothing says Marlins Mets like from calling it from the peninsula. <laughs> it is a sweet setup. ESPN took care of those guys. It took them a while to figure it out. But those guys and they've, done, and they've really done a great job. I think all the broadcasters. I mean, this has been a really tough time. I mean, to to broadcast games that you're not even at, to broadcast games that you don't even you're doing it off a monitor. It's it's, it's crazy. Craig, welcome back to Ace Cast Live. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, I got to tell you, getting ready for this interview and checking out the the, the Marlins from 2020, and you just you look at some of the numbers and you go, how did these guys make the playoffs? Yeah, it was kind of one of those years where run differential didn't necessarily matter. That's that's not normal. But I suppose you would have to ask the question, what if it was a, a full season of 162 games? Would the results have been different? And I'm not sure if they would have been or not. We'll never know. But they did it really with uh, – with some strong pitching, some timely hitting, and a lot of replacement players, as they had 20 players on the COVID list at one time. So they got through it. They kind of, you know, rallied together when the stack when the deck was stacked against them. They used some terminology that was against them too. Somebody saying that they were bottom feeders, took it personally, and a lot of things came together. And then they got to the postseason and even beat the Cubs in the first round too. So Nice year for them, for sure. We'll see if they can do it again. Yeah, you got to have a lot of respect for Don Mattingly. I mean, the, the Marlins used 61 players in 60 games. That's just unheard of. But as you mentioned, they had so many guys come down with COVID. It was scary. Yeah, it was really unfortunate because, you know, there were so many stories at the time about how they went out and did different things and broke protocols and things like that, and they simply weren't true. I think they were probably a little bit careless as far as wearing masks, but you know, thinking back on it eight months ago, nine months ago, I don't think that anybody took it as seriously as they've taken it in the last three or four months. So uh, you know, the good news is, is that we're coming to a place now where I think that uh, you know, vaccinations are now more available, and, and hopefully – Players will take those, but, you know, obviously that's their choice, whether they choose to or not. But I think in the end, we learned a big lesson from that, which is in order to play sports in very closed confines and clubhouses and locker rooms, you're going to have to take extreme measures. And I think that that's what's happening right now in baseball. Yeah, I saw the article today on ESPN.com about how they're going to use drones inside the ballpark to help disinfect, I guess, or uh, maybe you knew more about that, but I found that very interesting. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I don't know a ton about it. I saw the same thing as you. Normally, I'm very on top of a lot of these situations with the Marlins, but this was just as much news to me. So I would only be speculating or guessing, but we saw how, and I'm sure you've talked about this already tonight, but we saw how Arlington at Globe Life is going to have 100% of their fans and I, and I think that before opening day starts here in Florida, I'm going to guess that the numbers are going to be significantly higher than what they're saying that they're going to allow now, which is about 20 or 25 percent. But we're still three weeks away from opening day, and uh, and here in Florida, it's kind of different. You know, we do we do seem to allow a lot more than some of the other states. So we'll just have to see. How do people feel now that the teams made the playoffs? How do people feel about Derek Jeter now? 
I think that everyone is optimistic and they, they seem to be on the right track. So I, I would say that most of the moves that have been made look to be positive. They built a farm system that they feel is going to be more sustainable in the long run. But the, the Marlins franchise is a little bit different than some others because here in South Florida, we don't have that fan base from 50 years. We only have it for about you know 20 or 30 years. It's a huge difference. When you start up in 93 as opposed to 1923 or 33 or, or 53, and and it's been a very complicated history. They've won a couple World Series, and they essentially traded players from those teams and chose not to defend those World Series. So the way they look at Derek Jeter is, is kind of like, okay, you know, all, all things are going the right way, but what are you going to do when you win? Are you going to keep these players? Are you going to sign these players? And I think that still remains to be seen. But certainly in the time that he's been here, you have to give him a passing grade for what's been accomplished. Yeah, and, I, and bringing in Kim Ng, me the first woman general manager, and she's had great success. I, I don't see her going there thinking that, hey, we're going to rebuild here anytime soon. I think she's going there to win. Well, I mean, she would like to win, but, you know, they're still kind of in a rebuild here. You know, I mean, even though they did win a little bit last year, they are, are still, I, I think, from a talent standpoint, I don't think that anybody's going to look at that division and say the Marlins should win it or even finish second or even third. It's a matter of them just kind of outperforming most of the projections. So, you know, Kim is, is now at the point where I think that she's got more footing under her than she had when she was first hired. I saw her tonight in spring training and, you know, sitting behind home plate. So I, I would guess that, this time next year, it'd be a very different conversation because she'll have a full run of the organization. But I think that everybody just kind of has to remember that when she was hired back in November, I believe, it wasn't that she, she wasn't sitting scouting the Marlins farm system and big league teams. She was working for Major League Baseball. So it's going to take some time, I think, for anybody to come into this. And this is the first time she's ever been a GM. So I, uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic there, too. But again, I, I, I still think the Marlins are at least a year away from being seriously competitive. Well, I can tell you up here in Northern California, it's far different than what's happening in Arizona and what's happening. Uh, and you talking about going to a game, uh, you know, my producer Cody and I, we haven't been to a game since the wild card game A's versus Tampa in 2019. It's just great. So how is it sitting back in the stands? What, what, what's that feeling like? as a fan to be back in the stands. Well, you know, I, I did go to a lot of games last year at Marlins park as a member of the media. And, and at the beginning it was very eerie because there's no workers there. There's nobody there and, and you know, nobody directing you where to go. It's just kind of like an empty feeling stadium with fake noise. I got a little used to it, but I don't think that you ever get fully used to it without fans. But I got to tell you, like, the, the difference for this year is pretty stark as far as spring training is concerned. I'm coming from driving back from the game right now where the Marlins played the Astros. And, you know, having fans there again for me is different because I didn't see any fans there last year. But it seemed pretty comfortable and the games are outside and the weather was nice. And, and those are all positive things. But, you know, the difference is, is me from a media standpoint, you can't nearly do what you've done, especially even last spring training. There's no interaction one-on-one face-to-face with the players. There's virtually no access to minor league games or backfield. And it's just show up at the game and watch a spring training game in a press box. So 
for me, just to feel normal again and see those sort of things is great. But spring training has always been one of my first loves, even growing up. But uh, definitely not the same, not being able to have any kind of interactions with any players or coaches or staff. Very different. Yeah, and of course, you cover this game. You, you, I mean, you break news all the time. So I want to ask you about the uh, Houston Astros, since you got to see them today. What do you think their season's going to be like now that there's going to be fans in the stands? Yeah, I mean, they were booing Altuve a little bit tonight at the game I was at. I saw some of that last year, too, at, at, at the spring training games. Remember, they, they did go through three weeks of spring training games before they shut it all down. I think it was one year ago today, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, I, I think that they'll they'll have a hard time. I think some of them will. Remember, not all the players are there now. Some of them have moved on and gone to other spots. But it, it will be interesting to see, especially if these players struggle like they did last year. I don't think that people realize that, that Houston was a sub-500 team last year and, and just kind of by default got in there. So um, I, it, it's a curious year for me there, in terms of on the field because they just look so different than what they've looked like in the past. And, uh, you know, Verlander is, is hurt and he's not there. And most of the pitchers, Charlie Morton, is not there. Like, you know, he left for Tampa last year so. Um, you know, long-winded answer there, but I think some booing will happen, but we'll move on from it. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Let's talk uh, soon during the season. Okay, thanks for having me. Have a great night. Take care. I told you. I told you. It's coming for the Astros. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. They're getting booed in spring training again. Everybody's supposed to be a little nicer. Everybody's supposed to be, you know, because everything we've gone through and over the last year. Nah, people haven't forgotten. And you know what? A lot of the cheaters are still there. The, ma- the main cheaters are there. Altuve. Correa. Bregman. Oh, yeah. there You got cheaters that are still there. People don't forget. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, that's one of my favorite lines from any movie. It's from Superbad when he says that. <laughs> As Ray Fossey said, get your tickets, folks. Get your tickets. And be, and, sh- and you know, we want 11,000. I think it's around 11,000, right? Yeah, if you do 20%, it's around like 11,000-ish, somewhere in there. I want 11,000 just fired up screaming at these guys. Let them know first series of the year what's coming their way. And let's face it, they don't like us, and we don't like them. Well, you and this, is, this, this has nothing to do with Oakland and Houston. This is truly the players, the manager, the manager who knew what they were doing, Remember, the A's were one of the first teams, I think even maybe the first team, that complained to Major League Baseball. Something's going on over there. So, they, I mean, when you ask A's players, they don't like the Astros. They see those uniforms, their eyes get red. And especially getting knocked out by them in the playoffs last year. I have a ton of respect for Correa. I mean, to me, it's kind of like a love-hate, right? Like, the fact that he stood up and said, 
flipped everybody the bird and played great. That shows a lot about him internally. But what I don't like is the fact that he tried to, you know, play the victim. These guys started trying to play the victim. No, 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 no. You're you're no victim. You got to keep all your money. You got to keep the World Series ring. You're not a victim. And you guys all threw everybody else under the bus. You threw your GM. You threw your manager. Beltron, Cora. So I, I, you, you can hear it in my voice. I, I got to be there. I, I can't wait to be yelling at him. Well, while you mentioned that, I'll, I'll slide this in quickly. Uh, we don't want you to miss out on the best sale of the season. See your green and gold. The Ace Flex Ticks vouchers are available now for the 2021 season. Flex Ticks can be redeemed for any available game this season when you're ready to come back to the Oakland Coliseum. Get your your ticket vouchers at athletics.com slash flex ticks. That's athletics.com slash flex ticks. Single game tickets go on sale Tuesday, March 23rd. So we got baseball coming up soon. And remember, it goes Astros, Dodgers, A's go on the road. Guess who the first team they play when they come back is? The old Detroit Tigers and A.J. Hitch comes to town. So th- there's that. A lot of uh, Astros hate could be getting the first three uh, three teams they face in the in the uh, season at the at the Coliseum. So, looking forward to that. And the Astros are banged up. We talked about this the other day with Framber Valdez possibly potentially missing some. You know, he can miss months with a fractured finger and no Verlander. They have they don't know who their closer is yet. Uh, Granke's getting older. Bregman has a hamstring issue. Uh, is Altuve going to bounce back? And then you have Jake Odorizzi, good signing, but. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I still think. I mean, I still don't get how people don't think the A's are the favorites in the division. But every time I see these, hey, top ten rotations in baseball, and I look at them like, look at them like the Brewers. The Brewers have a top ten rotation in baseball. How, how's this possible? But that's why they play the games. And I can't wait. I can't wait for April first to come. There is a good article on the Athletic, a tad too long. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's like, it's true. It is Get to your point, um, about teams and who's, de- who's developing velocity, who's doing the best at bringing up guys, developing guys. And the A's are toward they're they're The A's are not a big velocity team. And if you're a Giants fan, you're at the very bottom, you and the White Sox. Who was the number one? The Brewers were number one, right? The, the Brewers are number one, and guys like Brandon Woodruff and Colvin, Corbin Burns, they throw hard. And they have, Devin Williams had a, uh, an uptick in his vast, fastball velocity this past year. And, you know, there's been a lot of guys. And, you know, like the, here's the, some of the top teams, the Brewers, the Pirates, the Cardinals, the Indians, the Rays. Of course, the Rays are in there. Uh, all the relievers are at least 100. Well, you know, it also tells you that it doesn't translate to wins. Because there's some bad teams on there. Yeah, well, the Pir- well, the Pirates can't develop a starting pitcher to save their lives anymore. But maybe well, that'll change with the new regime. But yeah, there uh, there was a there was an example in here. I want to say I'm going to try to find it. Eno Eno Saris and Britt Giroli wrote the article. They co-authored it. And there was a pitcher that pitched. Yeah, it was Brandon Woodruff when he pitched at Mississippi State. He was sitting between 88 and 92 miles an hour. This is the Brewer, one of the Brewers starting pitchers. His fastball sat at 97 last year. 97, and he was throwing 92 in college. It's like Lou Trevino. Trevino was only throwing like 
low 90s in, in college, and he, sit, he was sitting at like 98 his rookie year. Well, what teams are doing now is they're going out because we have all these different spots around the country where, you know, probably the most famous, I would say, would be Driveline up in the uh, Pacific Northwest where Trevor Bauer talked a lot about going up there and working on stuff, and they get you to maximize. What was the what was the one we talked down at? I think it was in Texas. The Texas Baseball Ranch, and Ron Wolforth is the guy that runs it because Trevor Bauer and worked out there. They're they're trying to they're trying to figure out how you can maximize everything, fastball, spin rate, you name it. Everybody, the sport has gotten to a point that everybody's just trying to air it out. Now, the philosophy of the A's and Scott Emerson that you've heard here on A's Cast Live and a lot of different places is. I want big league pitchers, not minor league throwers. Scott Emerson's going to tell you velocity's great. But if you don't know what to do with it and you can't get people out, you're no good to the team. But our but the way the sport's going, I mean, and you look at the draft now, my God, you look at the draft and all these high school kids are throwing 97, 98. That's crazy. But everybody's pitching to the gun. Everything is about the radar gun. Because you know what they think? If the kid has a fastball like that, we can teach him. We can teach him a slider. We can teach him a changeup. We can teach him a splitter. We can teach him. You can't teach arm talent. That's something you can't teach. And these new throwing gurus are helping these guys gain a lot of velocity on their fastballs. And so it's not just a couple guys or a handful of guys way back in the day throwing really, really hard. Everybody's got them. Every team. As you mentioned, Lou Trevino's coming out and he's throwing 98 miles an hour. Every team's got a Lou Trevino. And has a staff full of them. Now, it seems like we're having record Tommy John surgeries. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's throw till you pop. And then you go get the surgery. That's got to be one of the most frustrating things is, yes, I like velocity. Yes, I want. But I know every, you know, majority of these guys at some point, the elbow is going to give. And so many of these guys have huge mileage in their amateur careers. Because, you know, A.J. Puck said earlier on the show, yeah, I like playing football. I like playing basketball. I like baseball. But at some point you stop and you just, start, you, you, you just concentrate on baseball and you start playing year-round and you're throwing year-round some point, the arm's going to give. And that's where we are, and nobody knows how to fix it. What's, what's going to be interesting, on Friday, we're going to talk to Franny, Kevin Franzen, who's radio broadcaster for the Phillies. And Caleb Cotham uh, is their director of pitching, I think what his, his title is with them. He used to work for Driveline. So we're going to ask Franny about how the Phillies are going into this year with their staff because a lot of people like their pitching staff. I see them 
phone around. They have Zach Wheeler. They have Aaron Nola. They have Zach Eflin. But then they have like Vincent Velasquez and Matt Moore, who pitched in Japan last year, that are that are in their rotation. So I want to see how they kind of approach their their pitching. I went back and looked at the A's velocity. Like you know, Mike Fires doesn't throw very. You know, he's, he's a more of a a thrower than a velocity guy. Obviously, I mean Chris Bassett sat around his fastball velocity. Or if you round up around ninety four. Hazel Lizardo is 96, so you know these guys. Montas throws hard. But Bassett actually, earlier today, when he was done pitching, he talked about this. He uh, He's trying to develop a slider, and I have the audio of him. Here's Bassett talking about developing a slider heading into the season. Yeah, um, I mean, we're adding basically a slider that I'm trying to basically throw like Diekman. Um, we're, I mean, we've been working on a slider for me for years, and I just haven't really figured anything out of how to throw it that well. And then it's kind of, I got Romo's, Romo's pitch grip. Um, and then just, I've been blowing Diekman up left and right, even off the field. Like, Hey, how do you throw this pitch? Because I got to figure it out. So yeah, it's just Romo's pitch grip. I try to simulate Diekman's thought process. And then me and Emo have just kind of been going to work at it more and more, but uh, it's definitely a pitch in progress, but I, I, I really like it. You know, Bassett's a guy for me that sits more around 92, 93. But he wins with that because he's got that curveball that's 77, 78. So that's that, you know, as a hitter, that's such a big differential in, in speed. If you change, if you, if you locate and you change speeds, it's disrupting the timing of the hitters. And I'll give you a great example. There have been times where Frankie Montas and Jesus Lazardo have gotten up there and tried to blow everybody away with hard stuff. And you know what? They got lit up. There's been times Frank Frankie has a power arm and he gets lit up. Jesus a couple times. And that's, you know, when in the postgame show, I would I would say everybody slow down on Jesus being called the ace. You made that mistake with Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, when he went, I mean, there was at one point Sonny Gray, he couldn't get people out. He struggled in, at the end in Oakland. He struggled in New York. And they got him back on track in Cincinnati. But just because you throw hard doesn't mean you're going to get outs. But if you want to get drafted high and you want to make money off the draft, it's the guys who are throwing really, really hard are the guys that are going to go first. And what what of my fa- actually it's funny you mentioned about velocity because it's true. But one of my favorite pitchers to watch in baseball now it's probably because I love Greg Maddox, and he kind of reminds me of Greg Maddox a little bit. He's obviously he's not as dominant, but he's still really solid. Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs is a great guy to watch. He doesn't throw hard, but he locates. He's like Maddox. He can locate, and he'll just, as they say, paper cut you to death with, with the way he pitches. And he doesn't throw hard. He probably averages around like 92 miles an hour, 93, where, you know, you're, you got guys that throw 100 miles an hour, but they can't locate. Rick Ankill could not be a starter in Major League Baseball and had to become an outfielder because he couldn't locate his fastball. And, but he threw 100. And he threw 100. Yeah, he threw 100, but he couldn't locate. So if you throw if you throw low nineties, but you locate and you're, you have other great off speed pitches, you're going to be a good pitcher. And Hendricks is a good guy to watch. Same with 
When Arietta was really good, Arietta was throwing harder, but he was just really good at locating. The guy was incredible for that couple year stretch with the Cubs. So Hendricks is a guy I know a lot of people probably don't watch the Cubs play, but I've watched him just over the years because the way he he pitches and he's built himself. And I pulled it up with Chris Bassett. He threw his slider 25 times last year in 2020. The uh, batting average he allowed, 125. So that slider was working last year for him. But if he can perfect it even more, that's a that's a good thing. And his uh, curveball average velocity last year when he threw that Bugs Bunny curveball, just a whopping 70 miles an hour exactly. Oh, I, I'm, I'm calling it too fast. <laughs> yeah. Him and Granky with that Ephus curveball essentially that goes 70 miles an hour. I remember he had a couple last year, one like 68. I'm like, I, how, if you're a hitter, how, how, how are you timing that? When you used to a guy throwing 100, here comes Bassett throwing a 68-mile-an-hour curveball. Ah, and then he still can get you at 92, 93, 94, which, by the way, is still pretty hard. Let me tell you something. You get hit by a 92-mile-an-hour fastball, you're going to have a big bruise. Well, what about the minor league system? What about the, the, the prospects? Editor-in-chief of Athletics Farm, Bill Moriarty, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I got a chance to hook up with Bill earlier today to go over a lot of different things. The minor league system, the A's top prospects, what we can expect for a minor league season. Here's our conversation. Bill, it's great to see you. How have you been? Good, good. How are you doing? Well, we're hanging in there, and we're just hoping that uh, we'll get some baseball going soon because uh, and be able to actually see baseball in person because it's been a long time. And you and I were just talking off the air. As you said, you haven't written about a minor league game in 18 months. 18 months, believe it or not. I, I, I don't know that I've gone my whole life without thinking about or seeing a minor league game in that long. And But the crazier thing, as weird as it is for people like you or people like me, imagine these minor league players. They haven't played in an actual competitive real-life minor league game in a year and a half now, 18 months. That's a long time when you're in your prime development years as a young player to not be out there. I mean, you play baseball. You know what it's like. You can't simulate real game action and that's what these guys have been missing for the past year and a half now well it, it is so sad and, and and i always like to use golf analogies it's like don't actually go play a round of golf for 18 months all you can do is go to the <laughs> range at balls how do you think your game's going to be awful i mean i just i yeah. I, I feel so bad for these guys and and, and and bill the other thing now is that they still don't know their fate. They still, there's, they think they know, but there's, no, there's right. nothing set in stone. No, it, I mean, it looked like right now the plan is for all the all the minor leagues to start the first week of May. Uh, most of them have an opening day set for May 4th, and uh, hopefully that comes to pass. I mean, obviously, every state is going to have different rules and things. It looks like things are starting to open up now. As long as they can get some fans in, in through the gates, the, the minor leagues will, uh, you know, be able to operate. But it's still a very unstable situation, and and. Most of the minor leaguers aren't even going to be in spring training until April. You know, normally, they'd uh, they'd be down there by now, but uh, but most of them aren't going to get there till probably the first week of April. Hopefully, looking at a starting date uh, the first week of May, and then everybody's going to be playing in in new leagues and new configurations. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of new stuff going on after this big layoff. So you're in Southern California, right? Yeah. 
Are, are the dot? Yeah, because I know LA's been real strict. Are they going to allow the Dodgers to have fans? It looks like they are. La- uh, last I've heard, the recent reports look like they're going to be be able to open it up and have fans. They'll probably be. It, they're probably going to end up being much like uh, the A's and the Giants in the Bay Area. You know, with starting out with about twenty percent and uh, and then taking it from there. I just heard today. Apparently, the Rangers are going to open up to a hundred percent capacity on wow. uh, opening night in Texas. You can be <laughs> elbow to elbow with a stadium full of people there in Arlington. <laughs> I, I I just I I I wouldn't do it. I I understand, but I wouldn't do it. Well, uh, at this time of the year, you know, when we're talking about prospects, and you've done your top ten prospects, and MLB.com just came out with their top thirty prospects. But the thing is, we don't know what these guys have been doing, and we don't yeah. know what they're when they when they legitimately show up to start workout and spring training. Yeah, you're not going to know what these guys have been doing. Yeah, that that was really the unusual thing about doing this year's top 10 prospects list is normally you've got a, a year of play, you know, to judge your evaluations on. I mean, we're still stuck with, uh, you know, a, a year and a half ago of play. But what was interesting this year is a lot of these guys did end up going to the alternate camp this summer and having a lot of one-on-one time with A's coaches and development staff. And a lot of them went to the instructional league as well. So a lot of uh, my thinking in terms of uh, the, the top 10 prospects list this year had to do with kind of the feedback that we're getting from the A's staff about how these players looked and performed and the progress they made at the alternate camp and it instructs. I mean, guys like Logan Davidson, who's been getting off to a good start this spring, you know, coaches were really uh, quite upbeat about his prospects after spending time with him at the alternate site. And so, you know, he's moved up our list. Certain guys really u- seem to have used that time wisely. We won't know for certain until we see the in games, but but certain guys seem to be, um, you know, their stock is rising a little bit just based on what they did at the alternate side and in instructs this year. What is the rule that makes you a prospect, even though you've pitched in Major League Baseball? I like look at AJ Puck. I mean, Jesus Lazardo was on there. I'm like, hey, these guys have pitched in the big leagues. Why are they still being called prospects? Yeah, well, well, Jesus Lazardo isn't anymore, but but AJ Puck still is. You know, there's a certain. It's just like with any being in consideration for Rookie of the Year and when your when your actual rookie thing starts. There's a certain number of at bats and a certain number of innings. I think Seth Brown is still rookie eligible too, actually. Um, so you know, if you're still under that rookie threshold, then you're still qualify. But but, um, I mean, on our on our top 10 list this year, there's three guys who've made their major league debut, A.J. Puck, Dalton Jeffries and James Caprillion. And uh, as you know, Jeffries and, and Caprillion only got in one or two games each. Puck had a little more time, but, you know, I think he only ended up throwing about 11 or, or so innings for the A's. So even though this was actually A.J. Puck's, believe it or not, fifth year on our top 10 prospects list. So it does seem like he's been around forever. Uh, but. He's still a rookie. He he could come out and pitch great this year and, and be rookie of the year. You never know, Chris. Yeah, I mean, we're just you know pulling for the kid because the worst thing when you have injuries and you're not playing in games and you're just rehabbing, but we had Jesus Cesardo on the program and they worked out together this offseason, played mm-hmm. a lot of golf, and they threw and, and he says he's healthy and that AJ Puck looks great. Yeah, well, Puck's been saying himself, he says he feels better than ever that he's throwing with so much more ease and comfort. I think Bob Melvin even said he looks a little more comfortable out there, out there throwing. And, you know, Puck said that he, you know, he'd been feeling 
pain for a while and he, he you know it kind of held him back and you know he had to think about that every time he was throwing and now he said he feels better than ever he can just go out there let it loose there's nothing in the back of his mind you know tugging at him so sometimes these guys you know they'll have a little injury history but they'll get beyond it and if AJ Puck can be healthy this year I'm, I'm sure you agree whether he's in the rotation or in the bullpen he represents a big uh, a, a big piece for the A's this year and the A's love them some shortstops. And on your list, three, four, <laughs> five are all shortstops. Yeah, the one thing, the, a, the A's are, are blessed with shortstops in the minor leagues right now. You've got Nick Allen, who will probably be uh, uh, playing at AA Midland this year. You've got Logan Davidson, who's probably going to be playing at High A Lansing this year. And then you've got the kid, Robert Poisson, who's still just 18. He's the youngest prospect on, on our list. But they've kind of got a, a, a good talented shortstop at, at every level. And, uh, you know, as we know, Nick Davidson, I mean, uh, Nick Allen, he could play shortstop at the major league level right now without, without any problem. I mean, he could do that. It's just the bat has always been the question with him. Can he hit enough? Uh, and, and he hasn't really played since the first half of 2019 because he got injured in June of that year and missed the whole second half. He got off to a great start at Stockton in 2019. He was actually leading, uh, Stockton in doubles when he got injured, which is great to see because he's going to need to be able to drive the ball into the gaps. But if he can just have, you know, uh, an offensive profile that is somewhere in the vicinity of, of league average, you know, his defense is going to make him an incredibly valuable player. But this year will be a big test at Midland because of all the A's affiliates. That's the toughest place for hitters is Midland and the Texas League. All the other leagues and ballparks tend to favor the hitters. But Midland, you know, it can be a dream killer for, for A's, A's prospects at the plate. So it's going to be a big challenge for him. If he can hit at Midland, that says to me, you know, he's, he's going to be on track for the major leagues. If he struggles at Midland, then we're, we're going to have to reassess. But hopefully he can he can handle the challenge there this year. How much do you like the Elvis Andrus trade? You bring him in, you know, you got a veteran for a couple of years and then you hope one of these kids ends up being your future. I think that's perfect. I mean, it, it seemed clear that if Marcus Simeon was going to leave this year, the A's were going to have to get a, a temporary stopgap shortstop, not a long-term answer, but somebody who could be there for a year or two. Because Nick Allen, look, if everything goes great this year, he could be ready to, to, to come up next year. But maybe he does okay this year. He needs to spend next year in AAA. Well, you've got Elvis there for, you know, for next year as well. So I think they've really played this perfectly to give Nick Allen the sort of time and space he needs to develop and be ready. And then even if there's a problem with him, you've got Logan Davidson just one step right behind him, who was a former first-round draft pick in 2019 and you know of course it's great to see already in spring the A's two most recent number one draft picks are both playing well Logan Davidson and Tyler Soderstrom both had uh, RBI doubles yesterday they've both been hitting well in the spring and, and coaches have been raving about them so at least the, the two most recent uh, uh, top draft picks have been looking good thus far I got a feeling Tyler's not going to be in the minor leagues long <laughs> Let's hope not. You know, as you know, everybody raves about his bat. They say he's got a really mature bat, really advanced approach at the plate for a 19-year-old kid. Um, and, you know, the catching part is behind. They're still going to, you know, keep him at catcher, develop him there. But if his bat gets him to the major leagues, he can always he can always move somewhere else. He could play first. He could play, you know, any he could pretty much play anywhere but up the middle. You know, they, he could be a corner outfielder, a corner infielder if he needs to be. But the way he handles the bat, I mean, coaches have really every coach just says, 
he is really advanced for a young kid at the plate. He knows what he's doing. He goes up there with a plan, with an approach. And as you know, at 19, most kids just go up there <laughs> hacking. <laughs> and, and he just, he, he knows what he's doing. He drove that ball with authority in yesterday's game. He really, he, he really makes solid contact. It always sounds good coming off the bat with him. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously his dad was a former first-round pick by the Giants. I played against his dad at Fresno State, <laughs> and we, we had his dad, Steve, on and just talked about how Tyler is just – he's a gym rat. I mean, he loves it. And, uh, and and with the A's, the great thing about the A's is you play well, you're going to move up fast. Yep. And that, that's the thing. You know, they, they want to win. They want to win now. They, they They're not – always doing this service time stuff with guys, which I think is, you know, probably going to change in the next CBA <laughs> because a after what that president did with the Seattle Mariners, the cat is so out of the bag right now. <laughs> that, that, that definitely did not uh, help the owner's side in these uh, upcoming CBA negotiations. That, that's for sure. But the interesting thing, question about Soderstrom, which I don't know the answer to is, will the A's take this 19 year old kid from Turlock and start him out in Stockton right away this year, or will they hold him back at the complex, let him maybe get a month or so in in the in the Arizona League down there where they can keep an eye on him before they send him out to Stockton? Because I think Tyler Soderstrom from Turlock playing in Stockton is going to be a, a big draw for the Ports. I'm sure they're eager to get him there as soon as as soon as possible. Now we're not sure how the pitching is going to work. Like there's some people. You know, it's like Scott Emerson says, there's no data to say that there's going to be anything wrong. And then he got a guy like Mark Gubaza who thinks, hey, when you're used to getting 30-something starts a year and you only got 11 or 10, that's going to affect you. The one thing I look at, and I look at your list, when you start throwing in guys like Caprillion and Jeffries and Holmes to go with all the other guys, and we mentioned A.J. Puck, but to go with all the other guys in the starting rotation, talk about the depth that the, that the A's will have. You know, the A's have really focused the last few years on having plenty of starting pitching depth at AAA. And this year, some of their top prospects are going to be in the rotation there at Vegas. You mentioned Caprillion, Jeffries, Holmes, but that's not it. There's plenty of other guys, too. Cole Irvin, who's been pitching well in the spring, could be in the rotation down there. Paul Blackburn's still uh, in the organization. You've also got Parker Dunshee and Brian Howard. Uh, the A's signed a minor league free agent, uh, Trey Shupak, who's been uh, hurt so far this spring but the idea was for him to pitch a triple a too so they've got a lot of talented young pitchers and when you talk about caprillion holmes and jeffries you have to remember all three of these guys were either first round or first round supplemental draft picks so these are not you know these are not fringy guys who've made their way <laughs> onto the radar these are these are very talented guys who've been you know real targets um uh for the major leagues for a long time they're very talented they've got plenty of tools so uh these are guys that you know could eventually come up as you know you usually need about 10 starting pitchers over the course of a full season so there's a good chance we'll see all these guys with the a's at some point during the season as long as they stay healthy. Yes, the law firm of Caprillion, Jeffries, and Holmes <laughs> down in Las Vegas. Hey, now, now thinking about it, because what you said about Midland, how hard it is to hit. Yeah. Well, they go from double A to triple A, and now it's easy to hit, and it's hard to pitch. And, and and you know what? It's even worse this year. Pacific Coast League was always known as a hitter's league. Well, you know, they've changed that whole league around. Six six teams are out there now down to just 10 teams. And the 10 teams that are left, they're pretty much all hitter's parks, you know? <laughs> so it, it's not called the Pacific Coast League anymore. It's the AAA West League. But that is going to be even more of a hitter's league. You've got parks in Vegas and Reno and 
Albuquerque and Salt Lake and El Paso. The oh ball just God. flies out of these parks. So AAA is going to be a really tough challenge for any pitcher this year. So, you know, that'll be really interesting to see how Caprillian, Jeffries, Holmes, all those guys, you know, get out of the box because they're going to have they're going to have balls flying out of the park. So they're going to have to stick to their game plan, not be afraid to throw strikes, realize a few of them are going to get hit out. But it ain't, ain't going to play that way in the Oakland Coliseum if you get there. So <laughs> <laughs> don't change your game plan because you're, 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 you'll be able to pitch uh, like a normal pitcher once you get to Oakland. I mean, if you're talking about almost every ballpark is either thin desert air or elevation, I don't know how you evaluate your pitchers or your hitters because their numbers, the pitchers aren't that bad and the hitters aren't that good. Yeah, oh, it's true. I mean, last year in Las Vegas, it was tough because, you know, people like Seth Brown and or I shouldn't say last year, 2019, um, it's people like Seth Brown and Sean Murphy, they were just cranking them out of the park left and right. And you think, geez, these guys are the next, you know, Babe Ruth here. <laughs> and, you know, Parker Dunshee, who had been great all through the A system and pitched great at double A, he gets up there and he gives up like, 14 home runs in his first 50 innings or something, you know, it, it's just, it could just be a killer for pitchers. And then, you know, if you, if you let that get into your head and you start changing your game plan and now you're afraid to throw strikes, you know, you can get all out of whack. So it's going to be really important for AAA pitching coach, Rich Rodriguez to, to work with these guys and, and make sure they stick with the game plan, even if balls are flying out of the park left and right there in the, in the new AAA West league. I uh, I had Fran Reardon on the program. I said, you're the manager of the greatest offensive team of all time. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, it's it's fun if you're a fan, right? I mean, and it's yeah. fun if you're a hitter, too. But, man, if you're a pitcher, it's it's got to be terrifying to go out there in all these ballparks. And, and the thing is, they hit even more home runs in El Paso last year than they did in Las Vegas. So Vegas isn't even even the most homer-happy park in that league. So it's, it's going to be a a real hitter's paradise there this year. Look for a lot of those those 15-10 box scores coming coming out of AAA this year. Yeah, two <laughs> touchdowns and a field goal and you win the game. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit worried, and we'll end on this. I, I'm just a little bit worried. I, I, we know what they're able to do at, at, at the major league level to protect these guys and what's happened in the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and all these, you know, PGA Tour and all these sports. But minor league baseball is still going to be cramming guys into buses, long bus rides. I just I'm worried about the I'm I'm worried about how this season is going to go for these minor leaguers. Yeah, I mean, you know, all we can do is cross our fingers and hope they're doing a good job with it. it, it AAA, they're they're they fly primarily, but they fly on commercial flights. You know, they're not chartered flights, so they'll be flying with the general public. And then, as you mentioned, at the lower levels, they're riding around on buses. You know, uh, baseball's done everything they can this year to sort of shorten the road trips, make fewer road trips. Most teams are going to be playing like a solid week at home and then go on the road for one week, come home, maybe two weeks. Uh, so anyway, they're, they're trying to, to limit the length of the travel and limit the number of road trips they're taking. But still, they're going to have to be out there on the road traveling around. It's not going to be easy at major leagues. You know, it's much easier for them to spend all the money and do everything they can to protect these guys. It's going to be a little trickier in the minors. So we'll see what happens, but they are expanding the rosters. So uh, I think at AAA and AA, they're going to be able to carry 28 players and at the high A and low A, they're going to be able to carry 30. So they're going to have kind of an extra cushion in case 
anybody is exposed to anything, anything happens, they've got a few more options there to work with this year. Hopefully that that isn't quite so necessary, but you know, you never know till you get this thing going, how it's going to play out. It's great to see you. I tell everyone when we have these video chats, it's just good to see people. <laughs> Another human being. Because, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen you since, what, spring training last year? Yeah, it's, it's been a lot. I know it's been forever. I mean, when, whenever I see anybody, I have to stop and think, when was the last time I ever saw this person? I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> Mom, I, I recognize you. You know, <laughs> Great stuff as always, and let's talk soon. Absolutely. Take care. Yeah, he's a good guest and just, you know, breaking down what essentially is the the future of the Oakland A's. A lot of shortstops, Cody. A lot of shortstops. I told you my buddy sent me that mock draft. I don't know who did it. Uh, and the mock draft had, of course, the ace taken. Wait for it. Another shortstop. Yeah, of the, course. Draft. It was- you can take that guy and you can move him to third. You can move him to second. You can move him to right. You can move him to left. I mean. Shorts, shortstops are very versatile. I'm, I'm excited to see what the what the career for Robert Passan, Passan looks like because he's so, so young. And the guy that he came up in the international class with was is Jason Dominguez of the Yankees who looks like, I mean, the guy for a year transformation, the guy just looks like he, uh, the, the word I'm looking for is um, yoked or swole is the word that the, is what the uh, younger generation uses now. Uh, he just looks jacked, kind of like what Luke Voigt looks like, but b- even bigger. Luke Voigt, the first baseman from the Yankees. So those two guys are interesting because Poisson got that big signing bonus to sign with the A's coming out of um, coming out of the international signing period. So I want to see how his career progresses, but he's still so young. We won't see him in the majors for eh, at least a couple years. What is he? What did he say, 18? I think he's 18. He'd probably be 19 at some point this summer. Was he 17 or uh, 16 when he signed? I want to say I think he was 17. I think Dem- Jason Dominguez was was uh, 18. Let me, I'll look up Passan right now. Uh, let's see. I don't even know if he has a – he probably doesn't even have a baseball reference. He doesn't, have base, he doesn't play the game, so he can't have a baseball reference page. Let's see. Uh, I got right here Martin Gallegos. He's 18. He'll be 19 in, on September 11th. He's throwing his barrel control and extension for his age 16. Yeah, so he signed at 16. Can you just imagine signing at 16 years old and going to another country? 5.1 million is what he signed for. 5.1. Just think about that. Think about you're in high school and a Japanese team comes after you and offers you millions of dollars. And you got to move to Japan, and you're 16 years old. I mean, it's it's talk about having to grow up really fast. You're a professional baseball player at 16 years old, and all the teams do this. And these kids come over, and that was one of the that was one of the things too that uh, some of the people floated to us is like you know it might be a little bit harder trying to get guys back into the country. And there's always issues. But with COVID and everything, you know, how hard is it going to get them, be able to get them back? Because I know for a fact the Padres had certain guys, they wouldn't allow them to leave. I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying that or not, but um, they were like, yeah, we do not want you leaving the country. 
because we don't know how hard it's going to be to get you back. But the you got to think one of these three is the future of shortstop for the Oakland A's. You, you have to think one of these three, or the Allen Davidson, Passan, one of them. One of them has to be the guy. Yeah, if not, you can have him play somewhere else. I mean, the, the nice thing about Davidson is he's a switch hitter. But I want to see how he progresses through the minor leagues because, remember, the big thing was, oh, he can't hit with the wooden bat. Well, we didn't really get a chance to see much of that last year because uh, there was no season. So this year will be a very telling year for him. Nick Allen's still so young. He hasn't developed as an offensive player yet. We know how good he is defensively from what we've heard. And Passan's 18 years old. So – there's a big difference. The same thing as Tyler Soderstrom. He was drafted at 17. He's now 18. Some of the best guys in the system aren't even 20 years old yet. So they're, they're, they're years away from drinking in a bar. Years. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Coming up next, Amelia Schimmel, who is our coworker. She is going to be new, the new public address announcer for the Oakland Athletics at the Coliseum and replacing our great friend, who so sad that we lost him, but what a life that he had, Dick Callahan. Now, Dick didn't work last season, and it was Amelia that you would hear like on television because no one was allowed in the ballpark. Well, now she's taken on the gig full-time, and we're so proud of her, so happy for her. She's going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, she's a television star. If you got up early this morning and you were watching MLB Network, she was on. First of all, I want to say congratulations. This is a really, really special moment uh, in your career. Uh, I, I like telling A's fans, you, you've helped us so much here on A's Cast Live, especially with all of our friends there at MLB Network. But um, you're, you're a pioneer. What you're doing is very, very special. And, you know, as a father of twin girls, it's great to see something like this and that the A's are allowing you to have this opportunity. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it's it's really been a special 48 hours or so for me. It's been unbelievable. I mean, I've talked to so many people. So many women have reached out to me and said, I'm inspired by what you're doing. And, and you use the words TV star and pioneer, I think, in, in one sentence, I'm not ready for that. I mean, I, I, I want to step up to the plate and be that person, but I have so much learning to do. And I, and I get to learn from the great in, uh, in, in Rennell Brooks Moon. And I, and I got to learn from Dick Callahan, who was an unbelievable legend um, and, and got to, you know, stand next to him for almost three years and, and listen to him. And so, Yes, I am. I am so unbelievably honored to to be selected to do this, to have the support of the A's organization, the organization I love, and and to be able to to try to be a good role model for women. And I know that you know we need to have so many more women in these positions. And I'm happy to just kind of be be that next step. Yeah, if people don't know, I mean, you just had to take over the job last year because <laughs> we we were trying to protect Dick from COVID nineteen. So we were like, you stay home and, and you just had to step up and do it. And, and you did a remarkable job. What did you learn about the job doing it last year for the 30 games plus the playoffs? You know, thank you so much. I mean, I think that um, going into it, I had the knowledge of 
the team. I had the knowledge of baseball and the pacing and having been a fan my entire life, I kind of knew what the flow of the game was and, and watching Dick do what he does best or did best. I, I, I know that, you know, I, I kind of was trying to not, you know, replicate what he did, but, but make him proud and, and, you know, do it the way that, that he showed me how it's done. And um, he gave me so much advice. Um, I learned a lot in terms of just, you know, how to preserve my voice for, you know, just the, the, the very basics in, in terms of, making sure that I, you know, reserve those big moments for when they're really needed because I, as a fan can get a little carried away sometimes, you know, I want, I want a third inning grand slam, but I got to wait because there's, you know, there's some late inning action and you got to really kind of know when to, to dial it back. And um, I, there were so many things that I learned last season in such a, a short season, but that felt so long for me. And I can't even imagine what a, what a full season with fans will be like. Well, I got to tell you, people don't understand. They say, yeah, baseball's slow. Uh, not when you're doing PA because there's always something going on. I had to fill in for, for Dick Callahan. I, I'm 2-0, and by the way, all time, and I've retired. I'm 2-0, and undefeated. Uh, and, and, and the first game I ever had to do went extra innings. It was, And I still had to do the postgame show. But the, the, the thing about it is, you're constantly announcing something. There's constantly movement. There's constantly a new batter. There's a new pitcher. There's some promo you have to read. I don't think people really understand that. Yeah, no. And and you got to look out. There's pinch hitters. You got to know what's going on. The people that say that baseball is slow, I think aren't aware of what's going on behind the scenes. The positioning that the players are doing for each pitch, um, you know, all of that's exciting all of the, the stats behind it. If you're aware of all of that stuff, you can kind of predict how the game's going to go, but things just happen. You know, it's just such, it's a game that can change on a dime um, and there's no clock. So, you know, you don't know if you're going to be doing a 13 inning game that, that was, you know, that you had a lead in the, in the second inning of five or six runs, you got to change your mindset throughout the game um, inch by inch and minute by minute. But I think that, you know, knowing kind of what players might come in uh, for defensive switches what guys might pinch hit, um, you know, knowing when actually this is a really, really important one is knowing who's going to be making their major league debut or who just hit their first career home run. Cause you want to really give them some oomph. You, you forget that these, these are real people that, that, you know, want to hear their name called out properly. And if I'm, you know, if I'm personally getting the call to the major leagues and this is my first major league at bat, I want the PA announcer to do it justice. And so I want to be aware of that too. I want to make sure I'm giving them their proper due. Um, you know, even if they're on the visiting team, you know, you can't, you can't go lackluster with it. You've got to give them a solid, you know, introduction, but obviously you, you dial it up for, for the A's for sure. Well, and to let everybody know what a huge A's fan you are, you left MLB network to come back and work for the A's. And for years now you've been any, everything people see in the stadium, you've kind of been running and controlling that. So just tell us why you came back and tell us about your love for the green and gold. Yeah, you know, I i mean, I was pretty much born at the Coliseum, it feels like. I've been going since I was six or seven years old, since I can, as long as I can remember. It's been the only team I've ever loved. It's been the team that I've loved the most, and I love all sports, but but baseball for me and the A's are it. Um, and getting to go to MLB Network was an unbelievable dream. I mean, I was there for eight years. I got to produce a lot of new shows there, including MLB Central and Hot Stove. And those are really fun shows because you get to actually – be creative. Those are actually shows that run when there aren't live games going on. So you get to think of fun games and working with guys like Matt Vaskersian and women like Lauren Shahadi. They're just, they're, they're inspirational and they're so kind and they're down to earth. And they taught me so much about what I'm, what I'm doing and applying right now too to the PA work. But 
you know, knowing that I wanted to come back to the Bay Area and Oakland being the city that I love the most. I mean, this was just the perfect opportunity. I mean, when I when I saw that the executive producer position was open with the A's, I was already doing cartwheels. You know, I was like, I got I, I need this. I need this. All of my friends sent me the job opening. They're like, this is for you. And I was like, you know what? This is too good to be true. Like, I, I don't know. You know, I'm going to apply. And I'm, I'm and, and that's actually something I, I think that women should do a little bit more of is say, like, I'm I deserve this job. Let's try to get it because I deserve it. And so I did that. I did as, as much as I could. But everybody knows, you know, it's you know, it's it's hard applying for jobs. And um, I, I got the job and I was so, so ecstatic. And that was the perfect reason to move back to Oakland. And I loved, you know, what I did for the last three years was unbelievable as well. I, I got you know, to work with an incredible team and the ACE production staff and, um, you know, oversee the video content, you know, as well as the in-game entertainment, which includes everything kind of on the board, the the fireworks, the mascot, all of that stuff is, it's kind of part of a symphony really, you know, it's all, it's all working in unison when it, when it does, it's, it's beautiful. And so I really love that, but over, you know, seeing what Dick Callahan did and seeing the PA work, I just, you know, I found this newfound love for it. You know, I was like, I had been script writing my entire career back to MLB Network, and I, I was always writing for other people, and I never got to say the words myself. And so I do love to talk. <laughs> I talk a lot, as you can see, but uh, it's really nice to, to be able to finally kind of, you know, read uh, and say my own scripts, and, and it's going to be so much fun. So, I mean, basically your, your job is changing because now you got to concentrate on this. You can't be telling where Stomper to go. Stomper's going to figure <laughs> it out on his own. Yeah, Stomper will be okay. He knows what he's doing. Um, but, uh, you know, another thing worth mentioning is that Justin Marshall, who is our, you know, our senior manager in the control room there, he does an excellent job. And I have all the faith in him in the world to just step up and take on all that stuff. You know, I'll be there to help out when he has any questions. And, you know, I probably will, you know, provide my creative input from time to time. But, I, you know, he was such an unbelievable support last season, too, because I was doing something completely brand new. And, you know, I, I told him from the start, I'm, I'm going to rely on you heavily. You know, I'm trying to do something um, and pay attention to a lot of other things, too. We, it was new with the crowd noise. It was new with uh, the fact that there were cardboard fans and not real ones. You know, we were it, everybody was just you know, had something to learn last season. It was difficult for everybody, especially with what else was going on in the world. So. Justin really stepped it up and, and I have all the confidence in the world in him, um, you know, to, to have a fantastic season in 2021. And I'm sorry, I do have a landline. So that's the, that's what's ringing right now. <laughs> you have a landline? I know I have a landline. Oh my God. I, I really knew it was going to ring like while we were on our interview. Let's, uh, let's make sure that telemarketers aren't calling us. All right, there we go. So it's basically you, Ray Fossey, and Mark Gubaza have a landline. <laughs> That's an elite group right there, the landline group. <laughs> Me, Fossey, and Gubaza? I love it. I mean, that's the only way I'll ever make it into that group, obviously, is having antiquated, you know, technology. But um, it's otherwise elite. So, you know, I, I saw the Ace Cast lineup today, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, you put me last year. I'm following some some awesome people and Chris Rose and – you know, and Ray Fossey and those guys and AJ Puck. I'm like, <laughs> but at least I got the landline ring in, you know, that's what I'm here for. You're a celebrity now. You're gonna, <laughs> everybody's going to know your voice and, and generations are going to grow up listening to you. It's real. I mean, it's, it's uh, really special. It's so special. It's just so I can't you know. I pinch myself every day and I know it's cliche. It's just, you know, I, I, I never thought that anything like this would happen. And, I, you know, I've worked very, very hard, but a lot of it's luck, too. And a lot of it's being around the right people and having the support of the right people. And, 
this organization. It's just, you know, I, I'm, I've been a fan since I was little and I continue to be a fan of the front office itself. And so it's, it's really unbelievable being able to get a chance to do this. And I know it's not an opportunity that's afforded to many people. And I know that, you know, it took kind of a weird circumstance and some timing, but um, I, I am just so humbled by it. And I'm so, so excited. You're one of the few that was allowed in the ballpark last year where we had no fans and you guys were just staring down at cardboard cutouts and Dave Cavill walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is going to be, this is going to be different. We're going to have fans in the stands. I think it's going to be very emotional. What do you think that's going to be like? Oh yeah. I mean, I remember opening day last year and I even calling it opening day. I know that, you know, for, for fans watching at home, I'm sure it felt like opening day, you know, watching on the broadcast and they did a fantastic job, but I'm not going to lie at the stadium. It felt, you know, the fans were missing. The heartbeat was missing and it wasn't the same. And for opening day for me is my favorite holiday. And, you know, I, there's just a buzz like in the stadium, Um, no matter who you're playing, you know, no matter whether it's a day or night game, it's just, it's just so incredible. And we didn't have that last year because we didn't have the fans. Um, we had some obviously like great play on the field, which really helped. But um, this year I'm just, I knew going through last year, I knew that the minute we had any fans back in the stadium, no matter, you know, what the attendance limitations are, it's going to just provide that heartbeat back. And it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to give me chills for sure. And we got a good team. And you're talking about a team that's won 97 games, Back-to-back years, shortened season, win the division. But this team is deep. You know baseball. How excited are you for for the play on the field for this 2021 season? I am so unbelievably excited. I mean, just the arms that we have, too. God, the pitching is – it's just so remarkable. I mean, I, I think that like, you know, you talk about depth. I mean, our our GM and and, and Bob Melvin, they, they know how to find depth in places that, you know, you don't you don't even realize. I mean, even just and and not really with concerning the pitching, but Buddy Reed doing such an unbelievable job in spring training so far. Guys just like popping out of the woodwork and showing off and showing how talented they are and the reasons why, you know, guys that RGM, you know, went to to get them. Um, I think that I, I'm just so excited to see all of these young players really kind of come into their own this season. I'm really excited to see the AJ pucks of the world. I'm really excited to see Jesus Lazardo continue to be awesome. Um, and I will say having been around the team a little bit, and obviously I don't want to speculate. I, I'm not around them too much. I'm usually in the control room, but they have such a good vibe. They just, they play like a team. They love each other and they play for each other and they had to play for each other last season because they didn't have the roar of the crowd. And they really, really did that. Yeah, it was uh, it was a bizarre year and tough on everybody. I mean, everybody who had to go to the ballpark. I mean, let's face it. You were risking something to do your job last year. Everybody was. So uh, it was a special year, but hopefully this one's going to be better. Can't say it enough. Um, what you're going to do, what, what you are go- about to do is inspire young women. And that is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I, I, I'm trying and I want to. God, I, I really, I love, you know, hearing people like you say, you know, I have daughters and then, and that, you know, it makes me so happy to see, you know, women in this position. I think that just, that just makes me so happy. That's, that's the thing I love the most about this. Um, and, and I wish that when I was, you know, six or seven or eight years old, um, I had more role models. I was really lucky in being able to see Rennell do her thing. And I had that in the Bay area, but we, you know, we got to get that across the league as well too. And I think we're doing a really, really 
great service to baseball by by leading the forefront, you know, um, in the Bay Area and, and having, you know, women have a seat at the table. And I love it. Well, congratulations. We're proud of you. And once again, thank you for everything you've done for this show. Oh, thank you guys. And by the way, it was nice to not be ambushed like like I was last time I was on this show with a surprise interview where I was jogging in San Jose. So I'm not as out of breath as I was last time. Um, and I, you guys are awesome. And thank you so much for having me. I literally almost brought that up too. It was, it was just a prank call. It was, no, it was totally, totally welcome. But I honestly didn't think it was really you guys. I thought it was just Townie messing with me and like, Oh yeah, you're on AceCast. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) But I I kept pretending I was on AceCast and it turns out I really was. So Uh, management didn't love it so much, but we thought it was funny. Oh, I don't, (laughs) I didn't know about that part, but I had a blast and I, I always have a blast with you guys. So I really appreciate you having me on. So take care. You come down to Japantown. We come down to come down to Japantown. We'll go to a nice restaurant. Oh, so much good food there. It's the best. Absolutely. Amelia has been my liaison for the, the move to the new neighborhood because her sister lived there. So she's been telling yeah. me where to go and where not to go. Giving him all the restaurant tips for Japantown, San Jose. It's, it's great. Yeah. You got You get, you get, you got to get your core restaurants around you together. Problem is though, he doesn't eat fish. I don't either. Ah, perfect. Uh-oh. Look at I this. No, no, no seafood. Just Swedish fish and goldfish for me. Those are the only fish I eat. Same, same. So, yeah, yeah. I'm on. I'm on the like. Yeah, I'm in public enemy number one when I say I don't like seafood. And of course, the landline's ringing again. So here we go. <laughs> All right, go get the phone. <laughs> it's not for me. I'm. I can assure you that. So. <laughs> well, be right. well. Be safe. We'll hope, hopefully see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. She's great. I remember the prank call. That was really good. <laughs> well, the reason why the prank call worked is because the number we were calling from is a New York number. So we knew she would pick it up and think it's one of her friends. I remember, it was a great idea. I thought it was funny. It was hilarious. And we were, we were at the Coliseum in the press box. After, I mean, it was just us and the, and the uh, Seagulls hanging out and, at the Coliseum. And I, don't, I didn't see Billy Bean, you know, sleeping on the – and the outfield grass, like he does a money ball. But I mean, we were the only ones there. So we would have saw everything. And I remember we we're like, let's call Amelia. And we did. And she thought it was probably someone from MLB network calling. So it was, it was a New York number. Hey, there, there's been many of nights that the only people at the Coliseum left were me and the cleanup crew. There's been many of nights I want to say there was a few games back in 2019 when we were actually broadcasting. Like you, we'd finish the show at seven, you'd leave, and then I would still be there, and it was just me. Literally, nobody else was there. There was no, like there was times where I would go to Bart, and the the gate was locked at Bart. I had to walk all the way down to the to the very beginning of the parking lot and say, "Hey, can can someone open the gate to let me in? Uh, let me out to go to Bart." Yeah, it's what it's what we do. Well, it's what we used to do, and I can't wait to get back to doing that. I can't wait back. I can't wait to get back to the stadium. I can't wait to get back on the field to do our show. I can't wait to get back to doing the postgame show in the press box. I'm not missing those hot dogs, though. It's been a while. Oh, the press box hot dogs. Oh, I am not missing that. Are you ready for a little buying or selling? 
It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Buying or selling, you will not eat a hot dog this year at the Coliseum. Now, the press oh. box, just a hot dog. Doesn't have press box or concession. Oh, I can't. I, I, I'd sell that. Now, if we're talking the press box hot dogs that are like exploding by the fourth, fifth inning. <laughs> um, there, There's somebody in the press box. So it, it's on those rolls. You know how they, this is turns? Somebody cranks them up and they turn black or they explode. We still have not been able to find out who that person is. For some reason, they like exploding burnt hot dogs and they ruin it for everybody else. I just I like the popcorn, so that's what I go for when we're up there. Delicious. Yeah, well, I mean, if you miss the press meal, then you're it's either uh, it's either go get something in the in the uh, concourse or the popcorn, and I usually do the popcorn. So, all right, let's uh, let's start this one and talk about everyone's favorite team, the New York Yankees. Now, MLB.com does a great job with articles looking at numbers heading into seasons, and in a bit we'll talk. We'll hopefully get to the home run leaders that they projected for 2021. I've been waiting to get to this for a while. But let's look at the batting title race. DJ LeMahieu became the first player to win the batting title in both leagues last year when he hit 364 in 2020 for the Yankees. And he finished third in MVP voting. LeMahieu was looking to be the first player to win back-to-back batting titles in the American League since Jose Altuve in 2016 and 2017. Now, let me ask you, this is a trivia question. Who was the last Yankee to win back-to-back batting titles? Was he playing for the Yankees? Yes. Because I say, I know a guy that did it that played for the Yankees. His name was Wade Boggs. Yeah. Uh, Three years in a row at one point. <laughs> who was the last Yankee to win back-to-back batting titles? Is it a modern-day guy or a really old guy? A really old guy. I had to go back and do I No one did the re- – I went back and did it myself. It was, Joe DiMaggio? It was uh, – Former A's hitting, well, what was his role at the A's? Former A's Al coach Joe Dimaggio. 1939 and 1940, he was the last Yankee to do it. The last Yankee before uh, LeMahieu won it to win the batting title overall was Bernie Williams in 1998. So Wow, I wouldn't have thought about that. And then going back even further, Don Mattingly before that. Johnny Baseball, yeah, then I think, NL Manager of the Year. And then I think before that it was Mickey Mantle. So you got some legends and then... There was a couple guys you've probably never heard of that wanted for the Yankees as well. So, uh, buying or selling, though, DJ LeMahieu will win the batting title again in the American League. I'll buy, just to make it interesting. I, I hope he does. He's probably the best hitter in the American League. Although, Tim Anderson's, I mean, Tim Anderson's pretty is a pretty good player. I like Tim Anderson. So, uh, The Royals are a fascinating team to me over the past few years. The way they've rebuilt their team and just some of the things they've done. They went, they went to back-to-back World Series in 2014 and 2015. They had a great young core of players. They did host a, a really unusual seminar a few years ago. We don't have to get into that, but if you don't know what I mean, look it up. But they are now inking players to deals. A few years back, they gave friend of the program, Whit Merrifield, a four-year deal worth $16.25 million when he was 30 years old. He's now 32. They, did it, they just did it again with Hunter Dozier. Dozier... Is 29. They gave him a four-year deal for 25 million dollars. Now he was an All-Star in 2019, and his OPS plus was really good. Where last year it went back down to almost league average. Dozier is older than most players with three years of service. 
He would not have become a free agent until he was 32 at an age when many teams are unwilling to invest heavily in players. Buying or selling, the Royals are starting a new contract trend in Major League Baseball. That was such a long-winded question. Simplify it for me real quick. What are you asking, buying or selling? The Royals are starting a new contract trend. But they're inking up the, the older guys to these deals. Like the Whit Merrifield no, deal, no, $4 million. No. Selling. All right. So Bryce Harper. Buying or selling, that was like your longest question of all time. Yeah, it could have probably been worded better. <laughs> that's okay. It's Hey, as people say, it's spring training for us too. Uh, Bryce Harper spoke to the media earlier, and I have the audio. Uh, Bryce Harper, um, apparently not a big fan of stats. I mean, I don't, I don't really like stats. I don't really like any of that stuff. I think, you know, exit velocity, I don't care about that either. Um, I'm more of exit hits, you know. I mean, I just I want guys to get hits. I want guys to perform. Um, I don't know if there's one stat. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how, like, I don't even understand, like, the, what is it, like, the W, whatever, I know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't understand any of that stuff. You know, I'm a GED guy, so um, <laughs> I don't really understand any of that. So I know if you get on base and your, your on-base percentage is high, that's good. Um, if you hit homers, that's good, too. You know, so hey, you graduated high school early, so don't cut yourself short. Yeah, dropped out as a sophomore, so look where I am now. I'm okay. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> no problem. Uh, that's good so buying or selling Bryce Harper doesn't care about stats I'm buying I mean I I I kind of agree with him because I've said all along like we don't even really know how they calculate war right you can't tell me this is how they calculate war and when you like look it up it's but I do know this if you hit and you get on base, and you hit home runs, and you drive in runs, all your analytics will be good. It's all a math equation. The better you do, the better your stats and your analytics. The worse you do, they're not going to be good. It's not that hard. So if you're a guy that because I don't care what any of that is, and you just show up every day, play hard, and you produce, let everybody else figure out your analytics. But they'll be good. Now, what do you think Bryce Harper's career war is? He's 28 years old. I'd say he's probably in the 40s. Uh, no, 33.7, which surprises me because he's had a couple years where he's really good and a couple years where he was kind of bad. I mean, his OPS plus career is 138, so that's really good. He has a 900 career OPS, which is really good. He has 232 career homers. He's a career 276 hitter. The year he won the MVP in 2015 – he hit 330. His OPS plus was 198, and he hit 42 homers and drove in 99 runs. Uh, the guy is actually really good when it comes to advanced analytics when you look at his numbers. Um, I just thought it was funny to hear him say, I, I'm a GED guy. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> remember, I remember he was on the cover of, like, um, was it Sports Illustrated or one of the baseball magazines at, like, 15 years old. And I remember he had a home run that went, like, 500 feet at the trop when he was, like, 16 years old. Remember, he was a catcher coming up. So he went. He moved around a little bit before he found his position in right field. But um, I think he's going to have a big year for the for the Phillies. Even though the Phillies might stink, I think he's going to have a good year because he was good last year in 2020. Now earlier when I was on social media, when I saw that, I noticed something else that was interesting on what the kids call the gram or Instagram is what we know it as. MLB's account posted the top 10 pitching staffs in baseball according to Fangraphs. They had 
the Padres one, Dodgers two, Mets three, Yankees four. Don't ask me how. Nationals, White Sox, Reds, Phillies, Braves, and Brewers. They round out the top ten. The Phillies have two guys, and then two okay guys, and then a guy who's coming back from Japan. The Yankees have four guys who were hurt last year. The Brewers are top-heavy, meaning their first two starters are good. But the Dodgers added the Cy Young winner in the National League to a staff that has Kershaw, Walker Buehler, and David Price coming back on top of other guys like Ginger Gard and Julio Urias. Buying or selling, the Padres have the best starting rotation in baseball. Selling. I'd take the Dodgers immediately. Uh, agree. I don't know why people still think the Padres. Darvish was good last year, and Blake Snell was good, I guess, last year, but he was good two years ago. Chris Paddock was really bad last year. The Sheriff, as they call him. Uh, Joe Musgrove wasn't that good for the Pirates last year. Trust me, I know. I'm a Pirates fan. So they put the Padres up there already. I know they have a lot of young talent. We got to stop. We got to pump the brakes on them just a little bit. Win, win something before we start hyping up to, to take down the Dodgers. That's just me, though. Love Tatis. Play a full season, though. He hasn't even played 162 games yet, and we're noting him the, the next future generational talent in baseball. I get it. He's exciting, but I, I just the, the expectations on the Padres are so high. And when Jace Tingler doesn't get them to 90 wins this year, and he and everyone's going to be like, they're recalling for his head essentially. So I don't. That's just me. Well, I mean, you're you're right. They haven't won. They won the off season. Great. Yeah, they did a couple years ago too. Remember when they had Kim Brown oh, yeah. and all those guys? AJ Preller's done this before. I mean, let's just say I me. Mean, you still gotta. Take down the Dodgers, or you got to be the wild card team. I mean that 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 really, if you're San Diego, it's going to be tough to take down the Dodgers. I mean everybody's got them winning well over a hundred games. I mean your next thing is you're you're looking wild card. If you can't stay toe to toe with the Dodgers, your your best is wild card. Yeah, and that's just reality. And look at the National League East, though, too, because you figure, uh, let's say the Mets win the National League East, or no, sorry, the Braves win the National League East. You got the Mets and the Nationals fighting for that wild card spot too, because they're projected to be better this year. And the NL Central, who knows? I mean, the Cardinals will be good, but who knows how good the Brewers are going to be? So, the, I think the Padres will probably win ninety plus games because they have the talent on paper, but that's why we play the games. Uh, so I can see, yeah, I don't. They're not going to win the division, but the expectations of them. You have the number one staff and everything. It's just uh, it's a little far fetched to me. All right, last one. Seattle Mariners top prospect Jared Kelnick will be sidelined due to a strained abductor muscle in his left knee. Mariners GM Jerry Depoto said an MRI on Saturday revealed the injury. No timeline was given for the outfielder's return. Depoto said they are looking forward to seeing Kelnick in the near future, but Kelnick said I'll be back in seven days. That's my goal. I don't think it's anything serious. Remember Mariners president Kevin Mather said, uh, brought the service time manipulation to the forefront of the conversation. Kelnick is the Mariners' top prospect, and coming into the injury, he was two for eight in spring with a homer and a walk during spring training. Buying or selling, Jared Kelnick will not debut for the Mariners in 2021. Ooh. I'm selling, because at some point, they've manipulated his contract, then they can bring him up. So, why wouldn't they bring him up later in the year? It's, uh, I guess it depends on where they are in their rebuild. I mean, I, I, he should be on the roster to start the season. Yeah, if he doesn't, if after what their president did, and he doesn't even show up 
to Seattle in 2021, he's going to be the poster child for the CBA negotiations. Yeah, right there along with Chris Bryant and, and George Springer. They're all standing there together. Yeah, that's not that, – that, that'll that be a really bad – when your best player is not on the roster, that's a sad thing. Yeah, it's just – I, I he should be playing in the outfield with Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger because that should be their outfield. That should be their outfield going into 2021 when everyone expect expects the Mariners to get better this year. How can you get better when you don't have your best talent on the field? As we talked about, you know, so many times you've mentioned the only sport that doesn't have their best players on the roster to start the season. Yeah, you're going to draft Michael Jordan, not play him for a year. I mean, come on. Hey, hey, MJ, we want to send you down to the G League and go play for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Yes. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for A's Cast Live. We'll be back on Friday. We're going to replay the – are we replaying the show or the game? Uh, We're playing the – I think we're replaying the game. Uh, it's All right. Show. I think it's a show. I, I thought it was a show because we replayed the game earlier, so I think it's a show. We'll replay the show. Be safe, be well, everybody, and we'll see you on Friday. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.